0: We fought a
1: best mm, the small screen TV shows. Oh.
2: oh my God. Oh my God. We're raving
0: in the studio. Television. Mendo. Oh man. That shit slaps. Who made that shit?
1: I I don't I don't know who di- who made that? Who made that shit?
2: If young Ernest don't trust you, I'm going to shoot you. Mm.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Shout out to whoever
0: dropped that fire beat.
2: We got Ernest it- on the track. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I do I do miss our our like 2 minute long fully improvised Mm -hmm. intros though. Yeah, with like like with just one acoustic
1: guitar guitar that's like kind Um, of far
2: away. Only you miss that. (laughs) No listener misses that at all. It feels like it's gonna end
0: and then it keeps going for like another hundred seconds at least. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. like oh oh, they're still oh they're still going. Mm -hmm. Oh my god. Oh Lord. Ernest made another one. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to listomania 2020 best tv shows of the year on we bought a pop culture podcast we're counting down our top tens
2: i am earnest i may destroy you my name is hunter wow okay you just said you
1: you picked there i'm drew i don't know well you know it might i mean i had to clear out the path i mean shit like there's only like i figure i can only put tiger king in two spots because it's two words so oh my God. before we get into our list i just want to say that last
0: week when we had danny on we had a lot of fun we had a lot of truly's but we recorded an extremely long episode <laughs> of this podcast
1: so we're gonna try and keep it at like three hours 15 minutes this yeah week. yeah
0: <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna try to be respectful with everybody's time including the listeners we value you we respect you we love you but we know that maybe it's not you know Look, what you want every single week. A Maybe lot of people, one one week is good. Yeah, a lot of people are week.
1: calling it the Irishman of our podcasts. <laughs> and you know what? Like if you wanna break it up into two or f- ten settings, then you know what? That's that's on you. It's we're not gonna judge the way that you watch us or listen to us. You can't watch us yet. We haven't
0: figured that part out yet. Yeah, we record in
1: a very dimly lit studio. It's very hard to see. We you gotta guys, keep to the mood honest. We gotta
0: keep the mood nice and smooth. So it translates mm.
1: good into the <laughs> recorder. Yeah. As you know, light plays a lot into our uh, recording equipment. It,
0: it does. It does. If you if you have the wrong lighting, you have the wrong mood. Or sorry, if you have the wrong lighting, you have the wrong mood. And then it translates into what we're
2: saying. So we want to keep things yeah. nice and smooth. Our vibes are, are iffy at best. Anyway, it's time to change that. 2021, we're changing that. But 2020,
0: we're still looking back at with these top 10 TV shows of the year and we're going to do our top 10s, but um, I want to chat a little bit about the year in TV. The obvious takeaway is that we spent a lot of time at home watching TV um, or not necessarily watching TV, but just at home Mm -hmm. with more time that we could utilize to watching TV. So more power to you. If you use that time to be productive, maybe read some books, work on some paintings, make some music. Uh, but that's not what everybody did, because to cope with the spiraling downward um, deterioration of civilization, maybe all you can do is put on a little show. Um, not not perform a show, but watch a show.
1: Or you could, I don't know.
0: Yeah, do do what you please.
1: Like, there were people just in their house just completely reenacting uh, The Last Dance, like, to themselves in a mirror. And I took that point. personally.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so, before we get into our list, I just wanted to say that I watched an ungodly amount of television this year. And that's not the case for everybody, but that's just I how I chose to cope with the reality. And a lot of the stuff that I watched... Um, Is not things that I was like intently keeping my attention on, you know, I would do laundry or uh, do a little work on my laptop and things like that. And sometimes that's what television can do is it can just be a sort of comforting presence in the home uh, when otherwise I would just be um, holding my head in the fetal position screaming into the void. So a lot of these shows just fit that
1: place in my heart of like, Mm.
0: you know, things are going to be okay Mm. because TV's here.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. We'll get into it whenever we get into the specifics of our list. But I feel like I had a similar approach to TV this year as you did, where I kind of turned to TV for comfort viewing a lot more than I normally do. Where movies, I did not do that at all. Because of your
0: Oscar watch three.
1: Well, not even that. Even like kind of newer movies this year that I gravitated to more were very heavy. But there is some stuff that is a little bit lighter. And I turned to TV to kind of replace certain things I was missing in my life. Like whether that be sports or the experience of kind of going out and seeing things with friends or having a bit of a communal experience. I did watch some stuff that had a big internet presence online so that I could go on different blogs and kind of read around and talk to friends and stuff like that and feel that communal experience that we were really lacking for most of this year.
2: I didn't watch much of nothing. <laughs> I, I didn't, uh-huh. didn't watch a lot this year. Uh, had a hard time uh, doing it. Um I think I was just, I was just talking to you guys about it. I think a lot of it came down to putting too much pressure on myself to enjoy things when I wasn't capable of doing so. So I would put things on and know it was good, but like feel nothing at all. And so just turn it off because like I wasn't being fair. I was like this. I felt like I was insulting the show. So your, your number one is Twitter. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My number one is the mentalist. Um. (laughs) No, I, yeah, I did. I dived into some old stuff this year. Uh, which was lovely. And it was a blast that can not apply to this list. We'll have an episode for that. Um, and yeah, I did a lot of internet. I had, I did made a lot of life moves this year. I'd met a lot of new people this year, did a lot of like talking. It sucked. That sucked too. Uh, 2021. I'm getting right back to uh, content. Content is way better than communicating. Mm-hmm. Um, infinitely better.
1: So uh, lesson learned. <laughs> I think we all learned that we're a little bit more introverted than we originally thought going into this year. So before we start the top
0: tens, um just wanna let the listeners know that I like I said, I watched a possibly unhealthy amount of television in 2020, uh, given that I have almost 30 shows on my list.
2: Oh. Um <laughs> I had to I had to do some stretching to get to ten.
0: <laughs> um I would say the bottom four um of my uh 2829 shows are the only ones that I would uh feel like are shows that kind of dropped off, you know, kind of shows that like had potential, like insane potential that they didn't fully capitalize on. The rest uh I would feel comfortable putting in my top 10. Like mm-hmm. my entire like 11 through 25 any anyone i would be pretty pretty happy putting in my top 10. Mm-hmm. so the 10 that i picked are shows that just i really enjoyed and that made me feel good and happy about myself about my day-to-day about the world
1: so Yeah, I don't I don't have nearly as many shows as you, but I think that this was a pretty well rounded TV year. Like, I think that there was a lot of stuff kind of similar to our conversation about uh, albums this last year. There's a lot of A minuses and like for TV, like I was really happy with that this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, of my 10 that I picked, I'd probably say that like at least six of them are eight pluses, mm-hmm. but maybe I'm just partial to it because of the state of the world and, and how much I kind of leaned on TV to keep me going some days. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's why I feel like this was a standout stellar year for television, just because when I look through my list, I'm like, man, if I could, if, if I were happy picking any of these shows for my top 10 does that mean that it was a great year for television or does that mean that i just like have a connection to a lot of these shows just because they gave me that little bit of oomph that i needed mm. throughout um this absolutely horrible year so that's the power of television man i i don't know i don't know what to tell you i i know that it's not great to just spend your days in front of a screen and sometimes you got to go outside and take a walk and and do something else, but these stories are powerful, and the filmmaking and craft and entertainment value and comfort value. Is this the Oscars right now? <laughs> the power it's, of television. It's it's more prevalent <laughs> this year than yeah.
1: it's been in other years. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, Of course, TV shows that we're supposed to be shooting this year got put on hold, but for the most part, TV is more so going... To, is getting delayed now that we were getting into the late 2020, early 2021 section of it. But for a while, new TV was still coming out when all new movies were being pushed. When all movie theaters were shutting down, people knew because you have the luxury, we've been marketing to people to watch in their homes for our entire existence now. Like we can still push this out on you and it won't make a difference to our bottom line. If anything, You'll get higher ratings because more people are at their home watching stuff than ever have been in the last twenty, thirty years.
2: Mm-hmm. And I think one of the bigger things we need to mention is that twenty twenty was the year of Quibi.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> the year, and of that an is app- why <laughs> Punked is your number ten, right? Yeah.
0: Oh, it was that the Chance the Rapper? Yeah. I yeah. watched two episodes of it. The the <laughs> app that you watch when you stand in line when you're out and about
2: in the world. Just one of the more deranged things I've ever seen in my life is just the the general concept of Kobe, how everyone that you know immediately knew it was going to fail if you just talked to a person they knew and yet Scott Rudin didn't know. That's his name, right? Yeah. Uh
0: No, it's, uh, it's Jeffrey Katzenberg.
2: It's Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> I thought it was Gar- Scott R- R- Rudin. No, no, I don't. Th- I don't think that was him.
1: Is it Jeffrey Katzenberg? Um, Could... Yeah, I. <laughs> I think was I the only one of us who actually did the three month trial yeah. of Quibi? I did it. I messed around with it for a day, and I was like, yeah, this isn't gonna. This isn't gonna last. Yeah, it's Jeffrey
0: Katzenberg and Meg Whitman were the two people who led a 1.75 billion dollar venture into the fucking
2: ground it's it's so it's one of those lovely uh venture capital stories where all of the money that is accumulated is for an idea that like i said if you just talked to a human being yeah have you
0: ever heard of a focus group like what do you do i
2: know and they will the but the thing is when when people in power want to hear what they want to hear from a focus group you can manipulate it to to reflect results mm-hmm. that you want to see of course so you could be like hey do you like watching things on your phone yeah uh do you like the 500 dollars we paid you to be in this focus
3: group?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then the, you know you show you show them chance the rapper just you know i don't know doing an epic dunk on like uh matt barnes or something
1: you're gonna crack up <laughs> Well, I wish that that's what Punk'd was, but instead uh the revival of Punk'd made me realize like maybe would was a bad show to begin with this whole time and it kind of deserved to be dead. It was um, it was I I respected it
2: for seeming pretty real. Like when it could have just been totally fake, the original mm-hmm. Punked, and it, it didn't seem like it was because it wasn't always it didn't always reflect very uh, well on the celebrities they were pranking. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole crop of MTV shows that were
0: like in that vein of like, Let's just do outrageous shit. Just yeah. so people.
2: Well, and a lot of those you know, were like something to talk about. A lot of those were very, very wildly fake. Like, mm-hmm. like not yeah, even, But that didn't matter. You know, like people Parental Control care. and Next right. and all those. Yeah. Those shows were not even trying to look but real. But
0: nobody was like on Twitter saying, like, oh, the new episode of Punk was so fake. It was just like you just watched it and then you laughed and you moved on yeah. with your life. Look,
1: okay, we're burying the lead here, but we at We a Mike personally killed Quibby because they said they were bringing back Lex- <laughs> of the hidden temple i applied to be on the show oh i never fucking heard back and i said they're they're going down did we're gonna film, we're gonna fucking bury did they this film any episodes no i don't think so because then the pandemic hit <laughs> well,
0: i applied back in like roku, february roku's buying the rights
1: yo roku hey just i know i know somebody at roku we is can, a we big can fan bring the pod
0: into the live set look
1: i'm just saying roku if you bring us back on then i will throw my google home that i bought in the garbage and go back to using my roku television
0: well it's safe to say that quibi is not on our top tens watch so. out
2: watch out for my new pod segment quibi or not quibi coming soon <laughs>
0: oh let me tell you i've been working
2: on my own yeah. to be or not
0: to oh be. no oh, i don't oh, have yeah. enough that's fun. for a full segment here's but. here's
2: the one that i would throw in quibi or not quibi it's uh a revamp of cribs and <laughs> the host is schoolboy q <laughs> how many how many uh log lines
0: that you write for you to be or not to be. I'll, I'll tell you later. I'll have to look. Because I, I only have three so
1: far. So I
0: need. Oh, that's, I mean, honey,
1: that's not enough. <laughs> Drew, do you want to start off this list with. Uh, or Ernest, do you want no, to? No,
2: I'll, I'll go.
0: You already you already tapped Drew. So. I'm just
1: tapping one of you. I went first on the albums one. So whichever you guys. Uh, I want to start this bad boy. In all truth, in all
2: honesty, I did not watch 10 shows this year. Um. I, I managed to fill up my list with a little a little trickeration, as they say in the sports world. Um, my number 10 is a show that I did watch this year, though. It's uh Beef House, which I, I did talk about briefly. Yeah. Like a while back, this is an adult swim show. It's made by Tim Heidecker. it's starring Tim and Eric. It's a fake sitcom, like 90s-style sitcom starring them, and then I think almost everyone else is uh a really, really bad like extra level actor who doesn't quite understand what's going on with this really fucked up show. um, And it's really good. It's, it's sort of at this point, you just know that Tim can just like pump this shit out in his sleep. Like it's like, you know, his level of productivity is kind of unparalleled in the comedy world. He just works and works and works. Uh, Speaking of things that we, we should have said we were anticipating Moonbase eight in 2021 mm. starring Tim Heidegger, yeah. Fred Armisen and it's uh, out. It's out? Yeah. Where? I it's was like Showtime it's, or something? It's not that good. What? I watched a couple episodes. I didn't like it. Really? Yeah. That's a that's bummer. A bummer. <laughs> well, never mind. Anyway. Uh, I mean, you should check it out and make your own opinion. I, it wasn't yeah, my thing. I don't. Well, that's that's not quite like. He's not the creator of that show. I know John Kreisel is involved. Uh, but like he. This is just like a Tim show. And. I think Tim is spreading himself a little too thin. Um, he's doing too much. He is at the helm of absolutely, which is one of the more important uh, comedy production companies of the last 20 years. And uh, you know, as a result, like this show, it it's good, but you're watching it being like, yeah, he made this in like 20 minutes. Like this was nothing to him. Well,
0: that's beef house. It's Drew's number 10 show of 2020. And as a reminder, The way these lists work is we're going to do 10 through one. And whenever we have overlap and a show ends up on multiple lists of bars, we're going to wait until the highest position to have the discussion. So
2: we actually should have waited on that because you guys have beef house
0: (laughs) way higher (laughs) up. right? (laughs) My number 10 is a show that struck a deep emotional core, more than emotional, almost like a spiritual note in
1: me. And that is
0: the great, the great British bake off.
3: Mm,
1: I am so happy. This is on your list. You have been baking for us the last few pods and honey. I appreciate it. I've
2: I've watched a great deal of this show uh, over the past few years and it's, it's never a bad idea to put it on. It is absolutely fantastic.
0: It's so, it is a competition baking show. But uh, like
2: light on the competition, though. It's not it's not American competitive. It is it is well quaintly competitive. They, they crown a winner at the end. No, I know. It's and a you competition. Get invested. But it's not all about like these people hating each other and wanting to kill no, each no, other. No, they develop a beautiful bond. Yeah, it's not. It's there's no there's not this American animosity that you see in like. No in any of the like toxic macho cooking shows.
0: This is known as the Great British Bake Show on Netflix, but it is a British show. And when you watch it in Britain, it's Bake Off. So I just call it Bake Off. Yeah, the I Br- don't know called Bake Off. I don't know why Netflix decided to rebrand it, um, but it just made me so happy. I, I, I looked f- forward to this. This and Mandalorian dropped every Friday and I was more excited for this than Mandalorian. <laughs> And I loved every minute of it, not just the cakes, not just the successes and the failures of their bakes, um, <laughs> but the the feeling of camaraderie. And mm-hmm. like when somebody gets uh, voted off, the the sadness and when somebody succeeds, the joy like I was it was an emotional roller coaster. Yeah, and by really... the end, the person that got picked to be the winner, I knew for a long time that that it was going to be him because he was by far the best baker that but happens, it was still a nail biting finish
2: yeah that mm-hmm. that i mean that's the mark of a good show because that happens a lot in competition shows is there is a clear-cut winner that like you might as well stop the show midway through and if they are still able to make it seem right like there's a true debate then that's a good show i loved every um, minute prime american that. idol was very good at that yeah, yeah no. of course um yeah it's it's not the the british reality landscape is fascinating because they have that which is like the most wholesome like just like beautifully shot very sweet it's outdoors uh great soundtrack too yeah it's yeah it's just lovely and then they also have shows that are way trashier than american reality shows like it's so was it called pleasure island uh, love Island love Island. which yeah. is now an American show they had the original how far is tattoo far uh they have a show where uh it's like a dating show where a person picks a partner based just on what their naked body looks like um because you can show uh nudity in England mm-hmm. it's it's just it's funny how those weirdos are over there it's it's like you know they're uh they're just like in a parallel universe to us we're like they're they're progressive on gay rights but they're all turfs like what are they what are you guys doing over there
0: (laughs) i don't know man (laughs) they 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 do some good baking though i'll tell you that much and so that's why i had to put it at number 10 the only wrinkle i'll add is that this season was a casualty of the pandemic uh but they handled it perfectly they just put everybody in a bubble in a resort and you know, usually how this show goes is they get together on the weekends to shoot it mm-hmm. over s- Saturdays and Sundays. And they just stayed. They just stayed at this resort and shot the whole thing in like six weeks. Mm-hmm. And so there is this increased connection between the contestants because Definitely. you know that they are all kind of living at
2: this yeah. resort together. I am imagining, Yeah. Like some like elderly Irishman like, oh, I miss me family. Yeah. Like, you know,
0: beautiful shit. I. I. Can't recommend it enough. It's so wholesome. It's the Great
1: British Bake Off. It's my number 10. Hunter, your number 10. My number 10 is a show that I just finished like two days ago. Um, and I, wa- I started it three days ago. And I binged through this whole show because it is extremely fun, extremely light, extremely watchable. That is the Apple Plus series, Ted Lasso.
2: Wow, you watched Ted Lasso?
1: Yeah, um, this show. How does
2: one get Apple Plus? Yeah, um, and I did. Please do not say spend money. <laughs> I did
1: do a seven day free trial and oh, you I watched crushed it all. It. Okay, it's so Ted Lasso so watchable. It's people, based people on people are loving it. It's based on a Jason Sudeikis character that he did for NBC promos for the Premier League, wow. and. I remember seeing the promos And then when the show was announced and it was based off Of this character it was like well that's That's not a show like I don't know how This could be good but and now it's Apple's
0: biggest show it's
1: yeah it's created By Bill Lawrence who made Scrubs and Cougar Town. Wow. Um, which Cougar
2: Town, it's Not just a community but Cougartown was like a solid Show yeah
1: Cougar Town a good show was. I loved Scrubs especially the first few seasons Of Scrubs yeah that goes Fucking without saying Scrubs was Awesome like they are bangers And they hold up incredibly um and this show is just really fun. It follows a guy um Jason Sudeikis' character who is a football coach in America um who leads Wichita State to winning the national championship and then he is hired by a Premier League owner um who Premier League soccer? Yeah, Premier League soccer oh, owner yeah. <laughs> to come over and take over the their football club and he knows nothing about wow. the sport of soccer. The whole premise of it is that this uh um interesting the the woman um who takes over as the owner is trying to destroy the team because her husband originally owned it yeah and she, then he, so she's tanking it yeah um wow i didn't i didn't honestly did not know this yeah hannah winningfield when winning, I winning f- waddingham i Jesus. watched the
0: first episode <laughs> and i absolutely loved it but then i couldn't figure out how to get onto apple tv plus i did a free trial
1: (laughs) i mean and hey you know maybe apple plus has some other shows i've heard good things about the movie wolf walkers but this show like is it's such a fun show it's super like light and bingeable as hell because it is just that half hour comedy it's really funny it does have some really good heart to it too though which i wasn't really expecting for it to have i knew it was going to be light and funny and have kind of some good workplace humor jokes but I wasn't really expecting where it could go for some of the more dramatic elements of the show. And this isn't a show that ever gets super heavy, but that stuff all works really well. There's a lot of great fucking British humor in here too. Um, Some of the supporting cast, it's just filled with a bunch of guys who you've never heard before. Uh, Like this guy, Brett Goldstein who plays, plays Roy, the captain of the team is like a guy who, Everybody should know he has like one of those faces where it's like this is a movie star looking guy, but he's just a British dude who hasn't really gotten the roles before this. Um, but yeah, the British humor is incredible. There's a joke in uh, it's in like episode seven or eight where um, Roy brings a girl back to his place and like he's there with his niece and she just like and the girl he's with is just like, oh shit, like. It, I, we can't have her like snooping around. I don't want her to find my vibrator. And guy, and he just says so flatly, just like, "Yeah, mom told me to keep her away from electronics." Mm. And it's just kind of very <laughs> wry British humor that is just incredible. That's There's good. some great wordplay jokes in here. It's a it's a great show. It's just a blast. People I really really loved it, it online. Ha- very it very. A lot of love. I'm
2: happy for Siddiqs because his career has had an interesting like ebbs and flows, uh, where he just got uh, broken up with. Listen, that's the other reason I'm happy for him. He needs he needs something right now. Olivia Wilde has been seen holding hands with Harry Styles. Oh, what? Who she is directing Damn. in a movie. I th- I'm pretty sure that's what's going on. Is she like there's, double there's, his age? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Bad beat for stakes. That <laughs> that is a bummer. Anyway, yeah. the other reason is because he, so he's on SNL universe, like one of the m- more successful casts of all time in terms of yeah. their future output he and then he is a quicker movie star than almost anyone from that cast because he's in he stars in we're the millers and he stars in horrible bosses co-stars uh and then really not much else and it's been like 10 years since that and now he's the billboard of apple tv plus yes, yeah. and now he's
1: if you look on apple tv plus the first thing it's just ted it's just is just like holding a cup of so it what, wait, what are you looking at right now? Is that that's Apple? on IMDb? But okay. like on all the Apple Plus promos for it, it's yes. just that same image of like him holding tea yeah it's it's great
2: so I, I gotta figure out how to watch yeah, this good show for Sidix. i was i'm a big fan of his i think he
1: also was... apparently if you have an iphone you just have apple plus guy i found this out after i did the free trial she was like really? "Oh, i just have apple plus I don't see believe this is that. this is my problem i feel it's like the it, hbo max problem where I, you're like do i have this i think it also no, I, don't, I don't have an iphone so i, <laughs> I don't, think, don't have
2: it I, well i think it might be like if you get a new iphone like it comes like you I get like I some don't months no man because she just got an iphone okay yeah um my number nine is uh, the other show that I talked about along with Beef House, which I did end up liking better uh, when all was said and done with the, the two seasons. Three Busy Debras on Adult Swim, nice. um, which is the brainchild of are you Googling right now? Um, I'm keep I, I have a spreadsheet of all of this. OK, I, well, I was hoping you were Googling as, as producer. Um, <laughs> so this is the the brainchild of a longtime uh, sketch group called Three Busy Debras, which is Mitro Johari. And uh, Sandy Hoenig and a third, <laughs> who I'd never remember her fucking name, um, Sandy Honig, Honig. Well, because because Koenig is you know K O E N I G. So who are you to say? You know what I mean? Um, it the show rules. It really could be higher. It's it's a singular vision. It's it's wholly absurdist. Uh, there's nothing hundred percent like it in terms of like feel. Uh, it it has a lot of stylistic like singularities going on it has a lot of uniqueness with how it shot every single episode um supporting cast always going for it uh so there's really not much wrong with it it's just that it's you know it's like a very short show and it's like extremely strange so you don't it's almost surreal it's it i mean it's like entirely surreal Yeah. like it's it's so so bizarre and it's not it's not a show that you like settle into and like get to know anything about anyone in you know what i mean like it's just for the insanity of it it's just for the bizarre feeling that it wants to create in you and i appreciate that a lot and i want more shows to be like that and i want more groups like three busy Debras to get shows um because the output is a lot more unique than if you just give it to like you know a white dude sketch group from nyu for example like the, there are enough of those shows now. We're fine with those. We're done. Uh this is a cool show. Three busy Debras. Um my number nine
0: is another adult swim show.
1: Whoa.
2: The Eric Andre show.
1: Yes, this is this was on my long list. I was hoping you guys would have
2: it. Didn't I didn't finish the season, so I didn't want to. Oh, um but- man, I mean it's it picked up where it left off. <laughs> I'll tell you that. So i didn't have this on my top 10 for
0: the longest time i had it way way down and i was and i was thinking like you know when was the last time we saw this show 2016 so Se- it was 17 maybe some sometime around there this is not only the best season of this show mm-hmm. but because it's so short and there's not a lot there in terms of the output i got sucked in and I just watched the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I just watched every episode. And and some, I just re-watched over and over. I and, and Lee, she was like, at some some night, she was like, can you put on that, that show? And I knew. <laughs> I knew what she meant when she said <laughs> that show. She meant the Eric Andre show. And we just got pulled into a wormhole of absolute insanity. This man has a mental problem Mm -hmm. and he is putting it on blast for everybody to see. But he's a genius, too, Mm -hmm. when it comes to giving us shit that nobody else is doing. Nobody else has ever seen the fucking weirdo shit that he does in this show. Um, And I just found some golden nuggets in some older episodes that I had never seen. There's an episode. I think it's the finale of season three Mm -hmm. that is a full on. Lynchian nightmare.
1: You're talking about Birdo? Yeah. It's
0: it's an episode that is edited to be this incomprehensible mess.
1: It's it's unbelievable. It's a genius piece of
0: filmmaking. It's it is I just felt like I was losing my mind. But when it comes to the, this new season, season 5, he went fully hairless. He mm. got a spray tan, he whitened his teeth, You've gained weight. Yeah. Uh, he has an extravagantly, like, luxurious look to his set. Um, he has like a rapper ninja warrior recurring segment. Mm-hmm. He is just giving us the greatest hits, but elevating it. You know, the mm-hmm. crazy on the street antics, the weird interviews, the the shocking moments that
1: are so unexpected. I just could not get enough of it. this is kind of like been the new like test of if like somebody says like oh I fucking love the Eric Andre show then I know like okay we can be friends (laughs) like it's it's like past that we talked about Rick and Morty was that for a while and then it kind of got a little bit sidetracked because one that show got huge and then like bad internet culture kind of took that show over but now Eric Andre is the best version of that where it's like if you can appreciate the madness then like that's we we can talk from there and i mean this show is like the definition of a show that is not for everyone and i cannot blame you if Um, you cannot handle this show because it's madness
2: speaking of that you may have been there when i told this story but um i have a good nugget about the making of this season of did you watch the making of no they
0: put out a little making of segments it's definitely worth watching
2: so no but i just i heard this story uh maybe on a different podcast from a writer for Eric Andre, uh, named Sarah Sherman, her, her name on everything is Sarah squirm. Um, and she's very, very funny. And like, true, you can like through her content, you can see that she is a writer for Eric Andre. It's like really fucked up, uh, stuff. Um, but she was saying that like in the writer's room, like during this season, um, Johnny Knoxville and some jackass producers came in because they're making a new jackass movie. And this is the closest thing that, that like we have. So they wanted to brainstorm with the Eric Andre writers to see like like what they could come up with. If, you know, if, if they could pitch anything for Jackass to do. Love it. And Sarah Squirm was so excited. These are her like all time idols is like Johnny Knoxville. She came in with like a notebook full of ideas that are like, you know, maybe things she did originally pitch for Eric Andre or whatever. And this didn't work out. And she pitched like a ton of them. And when she was done, Johnny Knoxville was like, that is all too fucked up to to do. <laughs> like like Jackass cannot do any of that. It is way too weird. <laughs> In terms of it's, like like dangerous stunts? No, or- it would just be like like the it, it, it wouldn't just be like a funny like injury thing it's just like deeply bizarre and strange <laughs> and like like gory or just like visually unsettling it's <laughs> but that's what i love about no her. of yeah, course right. it's just it's like a different vein than jackass where it is actively upsetting and, and not in like a oh well you know they're just having fun way because ha- most of the people on that show are not having fun I,
1: well that's <laughs> the thing about the show is like it's a comedy and like i don't often laugh Like I do laugh while watching this show, but it's more so I spend more of the time just like with my mouth open, just covering my face like because I can't believe what's happening on my screen. Well, this
0: this show makes me feel better about myself (laughs) because knowing that somebody like Eric Andre is out in the world, it makes me feel like I'm not alone. (laughs) Like it's okay to be a fucking weirdo. Mm -hmm. It's okay to have your brain filled with just. Mental chaos and insanity Because look This guy is doing a whole show about it
1: Mm -hmm. Can I tell you guys about It's an invasive thought that I've had uh, For the last couple years but uh, Ever since the Lion King came out Really since the casting came out I just can't get over my head the idea of just what if Eric Andre went full Eric Andre like on the set of Lion King like he's just around Beyonce and (laughs) Legia for, just like going fucking insane doing bird up shit. And they're just like, can we just go on our separate (laughs) VO booths and just do this?
0: (laughs) That's my number nine. The Eric Andre show. I fucking love it. Hunter. Number
1: nine. My number nine is a show that I championed while it was out. I thought it was a complete return to form and it got me back into the show. It's season 40 of Survivor Winners at War. Oh, hell yeah. Dude. Holy shit. This. So I I put this on my list for a couple of reasons. One, because I think that this is a top five all time Survivor season. Um, But also. It really acted like. As sports for me for a couple of months there, like whenever everything was shut down uh, post the Rudy Gay incident in uh, middle of March this year, Survivor was the closest thing that we had to sports and it premiered late February before everything went on lockdown. I think the last episode premiered at the... I'm pulling up the date here, May 13th. So, middle of May. And it got me through those months with some kind of sense of okay, every Wednesday, I know that I have a new Survivor episode that I can watch live. And that was awesome for me. Like, it got me, I was so invested in this season. Um, as I said, this got me back in a Survivor. They've now put a couple seasons up on Netflix uh, that I have been just digesting through and I've considered getting a CBS all access membership. So I can go back and watch all of the seasons that I miss now, because this really did get me back into it. Um, This is of course uh, I championed him at the time as the goat of survivor, but Tony and his run that he has, it's kind of similar to like what you were saying with great British bake off where, you know who the winner is going to be like three, four, episodes from the end but it's still thrilling but it's still just so gripping watching this and it's the same way i mean that's survivor is genius about doing that because also i don't know who the editing team is that goes into survivor but they're genius about about framing somebody as the hero as this guy is the goat but people are smart enough at this point with 20 years of survivor to know if somebody's doing too good we vote them off it doesn't matter how physically gifted they are, if they can help our tribe or anything like that, if they get to the end, they're going to win. So you cannot, you have to be like so strategic and the way that the game has now evolved where it's not just about brute force and kind of putting your head down and mowing through the competition. And the social game is now plays such a huge part. I fucking love it. And what makes
0: a good survivor player? Like these people because of the nature of the how the voting works with the jury at the end, it's like they're voting
1: for who is the best player of Survivor because mm-hmm. there's a whole history behind it. So I it's funny. This is one of my easily one of the best seasons of Survivor, in my opinion. I wouldn't say that this is a great jumping-off season for Survivor, I'd say, to either go to like Kagayan or Heroes versus Villains, both of which are on Netflix. But speaking to that how to get jury votes at the end. I mean, I rewatched Heroes versus Villains, which is season 20. I think, in my opinion, that's, bar none, the best season of Survivor ever. And it also includes the greatest villain in Survivor history, this guy Russell, who is a master manipulator. Like, the way that he plays the game is genius, but people fucking hate him. And it doesn't matter how he manipulated his way to the top. When he got to the end, he didn't get a single fucking vote because people are like, I don't like you. I don't like the way that you play this game. And so finding that middle ground where there is some layer of lying and deception and manipulation, but without burning every bridge that you have yeah is a master class that's
2: something that's that almost bugged me about big brother is like there are a lot of people who would not vote with their heads mm-hmm. because of that like they simply would be like no
1: you were you you told me a lie sorry i don't like you no i mean because there is people respect the game to a certain degree people know that all alliances are fragile like at the end of the day you will stab somebody in the back if it means a million dollars for you. And I love the way that Survivor is developing. They've added some gimmicks that are kind of hit and miss. Some of them, I think, work really well. Some of them don't. But I just think that this this show is just it's it's incredible. The way that it has evolved, like I said, it got me back into all of this survivor is one of those shows that i've now been watching seasons knowing who the winner winners are and it's still incredibly gripping the whole time it doesn't even matter that i know who the winner is because there's all these other people that even if they don't win that season i develop a relationship with them and i want to see them go on to do other things another cool thing about the season because it was all winners is they have one moment where they talk about uh Like what Survivor did to them. And for the most part, uh, it was a bad experience for a lot of them (laughs) afterwards. Like Tony, the guy who won, is a cop in New York City. And I think it was the district attorney or like his lieutenant or somebody tried to get him like kicked off of the force because they saw the way that he lied and manipulated people. And they're like, we can't have this guy as a police officer. And they like took him to court and stuff like that. Like it's insane. It's it's a beautiful show. It's Survivor it's, season. Four. In my opinion, the best, uh, like the best American reality show that we have. It's hunters number nine. Now we're on to number eight. Drew.
2: This is not a joke. Okay. And even if I had watched a lot of shows, I think that this deserves a shout out. And I don't think that you guys would have it in your top 10. But I want to take everyone back to the beginning of quarantine when Tiger King hit.
1: Oh, it's in my shit. top
2: 15. Okay. Yeah. Because and it. It, it immediately was memed to death because it was in the middle of one of the most like t- toxic, like miasmas of Internet yeah, culture. But everybody, ever. but everybody had their eyes on and it, and everyone watched it at the exact same time. And then it became a joke about how and then there was the backlash of like, well, this isn't actually even that good. It just like happened. No, 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 no. This is one of the most unbelievable stories and collections of characters ever captured in documentary um you can argue if you want that Eric Goody, the creator doesn't deserve all the acclaim that he's received uh because he didn't do like a particularly incredible job of of capturing this stuff it's not like it has a great cinematography but that to me is such an idiotic take he, as a documentarian your job is to go out and find a story, mm-hmm. find a narrative. He was seeking out an entirely different narrative and he found this one and he fucking ran with it. And that's what you're supposed to do. And the result is unfucking believable. And on top of that, I mean this obviously wasn't fully put together just by him. Like once Netflix got wind of what they had with this, uh they assigned some bigger names to it like Chris Smith for example. Um the the maker of the documentary American Movie and he made one of the Firefest documentaries, the one for Netflix. So there there are names behind this which kind of explains why the information is un, unfolded in such an effective way, episode to episode of this of this series. Because that's something that really stuck out to me is they did a good job of of letting things unfold. Gradually, when they could just drop a bomb on you all at once, because there is so much (laughs) to this fucking story, it is and it's unbelievable. Um, I hate that they're making a fictional series based off it. I think that's one of the. I think that I don't care who's in it. I'm sorry. Which
1: I did correctly predict on our yeah,
2: our casting thing. I, I think that that idea is one of the dumber. Yeah, the entire reason that this is great is because it's real
1: yeah i mean you hit the nail on the head where that is this is great documentary filmmaking because that is what good documentarians do. Yeah, is he, like you are willing to change on the fly what the story yeah, is. And they change on the fly like five different times yeah, while watching. Like this man making a show. Yeah. Eric Goody is he is a, a
2: conservationist documentarian by trade. And this doesn't end up becoming a story about conservationism at all. That's a critique that a lot of people had. I guess you could call it legitimate. Um, but he followed the story, which is way more insane than that. Uh, and the, the, the cast of characters that he had to meet and develop and interview repeatedly and not lose their trust so that he could continue his working relationships with them. Um, that's all hard work. Like, it's not easy to do that. It's, it's, it's a mix of journalism and art, um, which is stupid to say about something like Tiger King, but this is one of the most unbelievable stories that was just sitting out there, not internationally. It was in our home state. It existed. Uh, I mean, also in addition to that, the fact that there was a man just filming the tiger King himself for years, like completely separate of Eric Goody or Netflix or any of that. And they were able to get that footage. Um, It all lined up so perfectly and I think that we need to appreciate that more than we do um, just because it's not put together in the prestigious of ways. Doesn't mean that this is not an exceptional story about America.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I mean, especially of our home state. It's funny. Uh, my girlfriend's parents, they were watching. They watched the show like late. They watched it in like June and they were like they like send a message to guy and they're like, oh, yeah, we've been to Carol Baskin's uh, reservation. It's in Tampa. Like it's like two hours down the road from it just us. she just <laughs> her stepmom was like, yeah, I got bad vibes from that lady. <laughs> it's it almost it kind of just
2: makes you I don't know, it kind of piqued my curiosity in the world all over again. Because with with how you know, cameras and technology have developed, we it's it's easy to just think that there is just no stone left unturned anymore. Like just like every significant story or every every like persnickety bizarre person has been exploited through a camera enough, and that's just not the fucking case because this man was right under our nose the whole time and we didn't know a damn thing about him. And it was just—it was a gift. Also, it's a very Floridian story too.
0: The very horrible shit that happens in this state. Yeah, backwoods swamp ass shit. It, yeah,
2: it's—it's it's just I—I I hate so much that they're making. The more I think about the fictional version that they're creating the more it makes no fucking sense in my head the whole thing is that it's real that's the entire thing (laughs) i i will say i did not watch the show and i
0: don't really want to um, but i'm glad it's on your list and i'm glad that so many people
1: watched this huh. and connected with it, it was like the first piece of the pandemic thing where it was like we just all inhaled it because it came out what end of march like march 20th yeah. or so something like that yeah
2: and it's it's truly one of those things where every single episode there are probably two or three plot points that are so well placed and because of just how truly like it's not filmmaking tricks because of how truly insane they are you're wait you're like no 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 w- w- huh? yeah. <laughs> this is really this is actually happening it, it's another tier of reality I, it's I loved it it's Tiger King on Netflix
0: it's Drew's number eight my number eight is a little show that we bring up every year and every year it gets washed away in the endless sea of content it's high maintenance season. Four. Nice.
1: I never finished this
0: season.
2: Me, it no, it fell neither. into the
1: same fucking thing with high maintenance that happens all the time where I'm like, this show is awesome. And then I high maintenance is one of my
2: favorite it. shows of the last decade. It is. It's in my top 10 shows of the last so decade.
0: So beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't know this show and I don't think a lot of people do because the ratings are really low. <laughs> um, it's a show that tells a different story every episode of somebody who in some way connects to the guy who is a marijuana dealer delivery guy and it manages to be extremely adventurous It manages to tell so many different types of stories with diverse cast and, and characters and this season season four was its best yet and a little bit of breaking news here uh it is its last season what what they are not continuing the show Ah, I literally just off
2: of no. deadline forty five
0: minutes ago. Does it end on a cathartic note? It actually does. Okay, the the season manages to uh not the whole season, but sprinkled throughout, it manages to put its focus on the guy mm-hmm. on the Ben Sinclair character, and you do get a little bit more of like uh, an emotional sort of character arc. Um, it's not the focus of the season, but. I think, particularly in the final episode, it really does fully focus on him, and there's enough setup sprinkled throughout to have like this really big emotional payoff where you do feel like that's, you actually know this
2: guy
1: that's such a bummer because i was i could not wait for a season five that dealt with like him delivering weed to people during the pandemic in right? new york city like that's would have been uh, a gold mine of content god damn i'm mean, just like is, couples trapped in their house and stuff like that this together is as like, of uh, a
0: as a new york city show as it gets there's there's another show that we're going to be talking about in a little while that is another big big new york show but this is a fucking new york city show and it would have been beautiful to see a story within the pandemic in the city with this premise of just all of these interlocking stories that are tied together with just that good herb i um (laughs) with that sweet
2: sweet kind of that
1: sweet sweet soylent
2: i uh this is one of my, really i i honestly genuinely could call this one of my favorite shows ever it's amazing. just yeah just in mm-hmm. terms of premise and execution not because of pot you you freaking losers um it's just it's not a show about pot it's just the the thread it's that just, ties it together and also well and also speaking toward just the writing and direction of it and the premise alone the execution of this show is like sneakily harder than of shows like to create a story and introduce characters and make you give a fuck about them from scratch every single yeah within like are you two minutes it's it's like it's genius
1: writing yeah yeah and short episodes too. not just short fucking
2: episodes the
0: performances like there are some pretty much every single performer you see on here is somebody you've never seen before every once in a while they'll sneak somebody in
2: well no yeah that's that's why i am going to keep tabs on whatever uh katya blickfield and ben sinclair do in the future which is you know assumingly separate i guess we could have seen the writing on the wall because they were married when the show began and for most of its run and they divorced a couple years ago um but uh, katya blickfield the reason that this casting is so good is her. She is a casting background. Like she was the casting director for uh, 30 Rock.
0: And it captures the broad spectrum of people that live in New well, York yeah, City. Well, that, yeah,
2: that's a writing thing. It it makes a point to show all types of people like in every single episode. And it, it's it's lovely. It's one of it really is one of my favorite shows ever. Like mm-hmm. it just you have to give it. A fair chance you have to give it a few episodes to realize the magic to to realize the fact that they're bringing that level of innovation to every single episode is and
0: they knock it out of the park every time i know like there's some episodes that are more triumphant than others but but for the most part you get some sort of emotional exact every time the
2: fact that it has some of the more memorable characters I've seen on TV in the past decade and they were only on the show for an episode yeah. is is beyond my comprehension one of my favorite characters or just more most memorable I've seen in TV uh, probably in the last five years is the uh, grandpa who's like going to raves and living with like his his waspy daughter and son and taking like technology classes uh, and I only saw that man for like a half hour <laughs> and you still think I mean, about it. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it's really, really, really impressive from a writing standpoint. I really can't wrap my head around how they did it. Mm-hmm.
0: The, the standout episode this season, I mean, every episode this season I love, but the one that I think about the most is this one episode where um, a character takes ketamine and the way the ketamine trip is
2: depicted
0: is fucking amazing they're they're really good it at depicting so good.
2: all drug use they're yeah. very very good at it yeah uh mm. i can't
0: recommend this thing enough it's high maintenance
2: i'm I'm glad i'm glad mm. that you watched through the whole thing because i've i've tried to rep hard for this show for years it's so good dude it's unreal mm. it's uh it's four seasons on hbo hbo max and they're more Check on more on vimeo yeah the yeah. earlier
0: stuff for sure sad to see uh that that's it for this show but I guess that's the reality of trying to make a show like this in COVID times. It's just yeah. not worth it. And
2: maybe it. they're just ready to do something else. Yeah. yeah. Because they're very capable of doing something else. Like they're both very talented.
1: Uh Hunter, number eight. My number eight is a show we might have to wait on. It's Alex Garland's devs. I had to cut it not to yet.
0: make to make room. We waiting. Okay. I figured that somebody would have it
1: higher
2: up. Just just a little um number seven number eight no oh, uh, nope. number nope. eight was number seven Cat. never mind my number seven this is gonna sound like i don't know like maybe i didn't watch 10 shows and i'm just trying to put <laughs> but this is something i really want to talk about uh because it really impresses me how well the nba playoff bubble went not nice. hey think about this Holy hey shit.
1: hell yeah
2: this is i mean if this is an incredibly current thing this is a maybe once in a lifetime thing yeah, this entire sports is yeah, my favorite tv and of this the year well because more than this really felt like a season of <laughs> sports more than any other season ever this is unique from any other thing we've ever seen happen in sports where every single game is played <laughs> at the same location with no audience except for the players themselves and the coaches and like later on the families and it worked mm-hmm. and like when i heard about this concept that they would all be going to disney's wide world of sports and not leaving <laughs> until a champion was crowned i was like okay good luck this isn't like actually gonna happen like covid yeah. will get in there and it yeah, didn't this isn't the yeah, great they british made bake-off a bubble. Yeah. COVID act- did not infiltrate this bubble.
1: Zero tests the entire time yeah, they were there. Which,
2: and it's more impressive the more that we watch other sports leagues yeah, crumble we were around us. Say. The or NBA, when we right,
1: watch the NBA, yeah, the NBA right, right now. It's
2: on the verge of shutting down entirely, it seems, because game after game is being shut down. Because even though there's still no audience whatsoever, which the NFL can't say. Uh, except for shout out
1: to Orlando Magic that are allowing fans in the stadium. Wait, really? Yep. Oh, great. At the Amway? <laughs> yeah, the Amway. Awesome. <laughs> shout out to Florida. Um Jesus
2: Christ. regardless though, despite most stadiums not allowing anyone in, the they're traveling. And the NBA is not like the NFL. Uh the NBA has 82 games in a season and they are traveling a lot and they are, you know, they have families that they want to see and they have friends like the the buy-in the on the fly buy-in to conv- to get everyone in this organization thousands of human beings to agree to the premise of meeting in one location and not leaving until you are eliminated um is brilliant like it was so the idea of it is one thing because you could come up with that but to execute it uh flawlessly is really bizarre like i didn't think that it would work I didn't think it would be so captivating, uh, but the lack of audience and the lack of travel, which causes a lot of exhaustion in players, like that, truly affects players' performances. It resulted in performances that it was one of the best playoffs ever. Mm-hmm. Like there, there were series where players that have you know been tertiary their entire careers just came out of nowhere and and uh, became truly like compelling underdog stories uh, for if just for a week you you would hear all about their bio their background everything that led up to this bubble moment where this man who has been like okay for maybe six years is now putting up 40 points
1: a game out of nowhere like it's it's beautiful yeah i mean along with that point partially to help the better performances and stuff like that is the lack of a crowd uh really just made it so they were it was like they were playing like they were practicing like you don't have people waving their arms around and going crazy behind the basket you don't have that visual thing yeah. in the way so it makes for bear shots the angles are incredible and it's something that they have done a good job is i think that they kind of stumbled onto like the way of like oh lower angles are the way to shoot basketball games Yeah, it feels so much more immersive Things like guys diving for loose balls and stuff like yeah. that was increased a lot because you don't have people on like floor seats yeah, and felt, stuff like that.
2: It was just generally a lot more intimate. We were closer in on the action. We could hear the players better. Um, we could see them better because of these low angles, which in the future are going to be less of a possibility because the cameras to in order to do this usually need to be placed where there are floor seats. Mm-hmm. Uh, and floor seats are one of the most profitable uh, in terms of square footage, it's one of the most pr- profitable square feet uh, mm-hmm. in the world. is is a floor seat in an NBA game, um, so that's tough. But we were treated to a video game like experience. of it, it was it was cinematic. It was it was mm-hmm. just awesome. And uh, it didn't really culminate in anything extremely special. The finals themselves were not uh, too great, just because of Lakers, the matchup. Man. Yeah, the the Lakers were just clearly the way better team, and there were injuries on the other team, and it like it just yeah. wasn't going to happen. But also the it, whole Kobe it did, Kobe thing, you got to keep that in mind. Yeah, That's that, compelling.
1: The, there was, the, but and also there was the whole thing. I mean, kind of adding to what made it made it feel closer to what you see in college basketball a lot, where a team that just has like a real sense of camaraderie and like. Teamsmanship with each other—they're the people who excel. The Heat had a great fucking culture; like they were all friends with each other, so they didn't ever get sick of living with each other for mm-hmm. two months. Where a team like the Clippers, that probably was the second best team in the league, uh are like filled with a bunch of personalities, and they kind of crumbled because they yeah, exactly. got sick of living it, in that atmosphere.
2: It, it felt like an experiment. Which, when you know, when you think, when you even hear the term NBA bubble, like it sounds like you know a. a a guinea pig experiment and that's what it was it was it was fascinating and uh i thought that it for for how much had to be designed just from a, a shooting standpoint from like a, a film tv uh perspective had to be created and designed and executed on on the fly within the span of months i think they did an unbelievable job nba playoffs nba bubble the nba bubble drew's number seven
0: of 2020 brings us to my number seven which is a show that i was extremely skeptical of but it's not my number seven dave on fx fxx
2: i know whatever, mm. fx on hulu this is the general consensus that i've heard is like even Dickie made a tv yeah, show even people who aren't in on dicky are like this is Really good. I laughed
0: harder than I have in a very long time watching some of these episodes. Like this is some of the funniest, not only writing, but just visual gags that I've seen in a TV show in a very long time. Short of the show I have, uh, I guess a couple of shows I have a higher up. But this one was just extremely unexpected and shocking in terms of the given premise And what you see based on that premise. And I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to give anything away because that's what makes it so good because it's so unexpected. And and I don't want people to know the insane shit that happens in this show that made me scream because I was in disbelief of what (laughs) was happening um, in this television show. Um, It does get a little dramatic, a little sincere, a little bit heartfelt towards the end. And it's a good payoff. I think um, the the back half of the season manages to tell a pretty compelling story um, in terms of the little Dicky character about like fame and ambition and what that does to him and the people around him and the kind of impact it has. And um, it also explores some of the tertiary characters and uh, it would themes like mental health and and just things that you wouldn't expect from a show like this and it does them extremely well with really precise writing and filmmaking um i did not expect the little Dicky show to be this good guys like it's really fucking good shout out to dane for really uh writing for this show and uh i i honestly did not expect it to be this high no i i list, respect it, it worthy
2: yeah i respect it i respect the idea that it is good i'm sure it is i'm sure i would like it um it's a fucking amazing i mean it's like i think i said this long ago when we were talking about dave lil dicky's goal was not to be a rapper it was to have a show like he doesn't you know the rap thing was a step it was a stepping stone it was the equivalent of seinfeld doing stand-up so we could have a show someday like you know what i mean um and that can feel a little icky, because he is a white man putting on the costume of rapper in order to reach his own goal.
0: But he manages to bring that into the fabric no,
2: of the story he's telling. No, that's that's totally he, fair. He
0: addresses it, it and he does it in a way that like it works. It all works. It all clicks
2: together. No, I no, I totally believe you, and I like this case more than another case of a similar deal, uh, which is MGK, um, who uh decided he had tried on the costume of rap for long enough and decided to make pop punk um which that to me is wasn't he in a movie yeah he's been in plenty of movies um that but and like the pop punk itself isn't particularly bad like it's very polished and well produced in the vein of like how blink used to be where it was just like it's all in the producer's hands these songs uh but this is a guy who he you know, for years and years he used the tool of being a gangsta white boy, uh, to reach a goal. And now that he reached it, he's abandoned that culture. And that sucks. Um, Dave, though, I think I'm gonna watch. Please do. Cause I, I cannot recommend it enough. I know it's so
0: good. There are so many laugh out loud moments. Like, like there was an episode um where I I was completely like unhinged laughing like i was i was out of control like i was screaming laughing because of what was happening in this fucking show i i just couldn't believe it It, they did it they got me and there's other moments throughout just i just this one episode that keeps coming to mind but there's other episodes throughout that uh accomplish different types of of comedic uh genius shit and the final episode it does something. And I don't want to say too much because I don't want to spoil it, but I, it's a curveball, <laughs> I guess is all I can say. <laughs> Where you think it's doing something and you're buying into it. And then suddenly it's doing something else. Mm. Um, I'm already giving too much away. But watch Dave. It's on Hulu FX on Hulu. It's extremely expert
1: level comedic television Mm -hmm. so good it's my number seven my number seven is a show that we talked about extensively we devoted a whole episode to we might have to wait on it it is the queen's gambit did not make my list it's it's my number seven too okay Okay. so yeah we can we can talk about it i we don't need to go too into it because again we did a whole episode on the queen's gambit it's excellent uh this is I the introduction for mass audiences to Anya Taylor joy of her saying like I've arrived I'm gonna be in your life for the next 50 years and I'm all here for it I'm all here for it I'm all here for Scott Frank um his real like I think that now he has a a blank check really in a lot of ways that he can kind of do whatever he wants movie or this television is the now biggest netflix show period yes it's the biggest thing that netflix has ever done um and aside from just being popular there is an extreme level of craft in this show like it is so well made it's so well done the direction is impeccable i it's kind of infected the monoculture already yeah. with just some of its the like memes and phrases of like seeing the chess pieces moving on the ceiling and stuff like that like that sure, is chess is straight up more popular right now yeah, because of the show like I it's, it's on I tried to convince to my ball. girlfriend uh to start playing chess with me after watching the show she did politely decline yeah. um but I still she didn't want to beat your ass yeah do you want know kick my ass I was gonna pull a king's gambit on her <laughs> uh-huh. um
2: The show, the show is really, really good. And I feel like I came down hard on it when we did our episode about it. Um, Not that I disagree with anything I said. It's just overall what should be noted about the show is that it's very good. You know what I mean? Like, that's the takeaway from it. Um, That said. (laughs) No, I really don't. I don't want to say anything negative about it. It's a very good show. Um, There's a reason why it's so popular. There's. Yeah, exactly. It feels like it feels like a show that everyone could like. And yep. as a result, it's not a show that I love, and that's okay. I like it. Like it was designed to make everyone like it, and it made me like it. So it's well done. Yeah, it's the craft, like you said, is immense. Like it's it's so it's so well shot. You don't like it because there's too many
1: hot people like Bill Camp and
2: yeah. Harry Melling. No, That's why. It just, it's sort of, it feels like Prestige TV on like Xanax. Oh. I like this take. <laughs> yeah, like it feels like prestige, but in a way of like, well, I mean, she is taking basically Xanax. No, like, that's what else? What else is that drug? Like, um, I don't know, like. It's like sets. an anti-benzos like or opioids yeah. or some shit. Yeah, she's taking like fucking oxy's. <laughs> um, either way, it just it feels like it feels prestigey, but with much uh, lower emotional investment necessary to enjoy it.
1: But it is still, I mean, I was the highest on it whenever we actually talked about the show before because I think that the emotional parts of this show do work because Anya Taylor-Joy is put at the middle of it and Anya Taylor-Joy is so gifted as an actress Mm. that I'm all in on her character and whatever she does. And even if she is playing this more flat um, than she is capable of, she's still perfectly capable of really expressing all of the emotion in the world and within her eyes you know i wouldn't put any of my critique of
2: the show on her at all she does exactly what she's supposed to in that role it's more that the entire show feels like that where it feels like every character is sort of oh something really insane happened all right what's next i mean that's why it's so watchable well exactly you don't have to give yeah because yeah it it. it is a show
1: i mean it's it's a comfort food show in that like it's a show that you can like never take your eyes off of the screen and be captivated by everything. And you can also be like folding laundry while watching the show. Yeah. And And you still get a ton out of it. Yes. Yeah. I personally, this was not a laundry folding show, but, but it can be for me, but it could be for, for a lot of people. It probably was, but Queens gambit is hunters. Number
0: seven and Drew's number six, which brings us to my number six, which is what we do in the shadows.
1: Wait for it. Because it's my number six. What a fucking great show! I'm still in season. I
2: know. Day. I'm still in on season so one. It's
1: so
0: good. It's so yeah. Good. This is season two, but
1: both seasons are great. I, I think what we do. In, I think season two is a little bit better it, than it season really one is. because it has it the, refines. Yeah, it. and everything. All the setup. All the buy-in. You're past that, and you're just all in now. These characters that. Have now been like perfected in the show and these acting performances are just so dude, fucking good guillermo
0: fucking guillermo
1: dude harvey guillen <laughs> is so fucking good i want this guy to be in more stuff and he just because so he doesn't good. have the classical look i'm worried about what performances he what roles he might get down the line but, the, but i
0: don't want to spoil it, anything but the way they leave off his character so
1: good the season it is, finale is to change
0: everything dude it is so good oh Not only is it telling, like, this overarching story that I don't even want to give away because it's so good to find out what it is, but just the one-off jokes every episode, the guest appearances, Mark Hamill, Haley Joel (laughs) Osment, even the guys from the movie, uh, Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement, they Mm. pop up. Like, it is fucking phenomenal comedic television, but... It's also it's that level of comedic television that is like it's dumb jokes, like yeah. it's stupid shit. But it doesn't feel like you don't feel like you're wasting your mm. brain. Energy. It's not
2: dumbed down. No, that's the best kind of comedy. It's,
0: it's just like this is so stupid, but it's
2: genius.
0: <laughs> it's ridiculous.
2: It's the old. This is really annoying, but it's almost the old saying that like I think like Reddit used to say about about uh sitcoms which is something like big bang theory is a dumb show about smart people and something like community is a really smart show about dumb people and w- what we do in the shadows they all be stupid as fuck
0: so stupid yeah dude. they're stupid as
2: hell <laughs> but the show
0: itself is brilliant it's so brilliant i i want this is one of those shows that i want to start re-watching immediately because i know season three is around the corner hopefully fingers crossed with covid and all that But they, it's not like season two is like a different show how it is sometimes, you know, with like, oh my God, you just got to power through season one because season two is so much better. No, it's still the same show, but they managed to like, just, just, just refine it, you know, just smooth out the
2: edges a little bit, Mm -hmm. iron out the wrinkles, that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And they nailed it, man. Season one, which I'm, I think like over halfway through is already enough like we're while watching it first of all i was astounded because i didn't expect a ton from it, it it's like it's one of the better comedy shows of the last 10 years that i've seen like mm-hmm. it just in season one alone like it's wildly good and it's we're in an era when to make a what you honestly would call a situational comedy even though it's like very genre dependent this show this is a sitcom uh, it feels redundant to even make one because of how culture has glommed onto certain shows like The Office and made it so like those are the only shows that matter. And period. it's based on a movie that yeah, is already great. Exactly, it feels like a redundancy, and it, it it like within like an episode or two, it proves the necessity of its own existence immediately. Like you're just like, oh, this is its own thing, and it's so worth watching. And uh, this and something like Ted Lasso are sort of carrying that torch mm-hmm. because the way people are reacting to Ted Lasso is the same way where it's like, this is my new, like it is comfort food, but it also is like high comedy, Mm. um, which is what something like the office used to be in its glory days.
1: Yeah. I don't want to say that because I don't want this to come down negatively on the movie in any way, but as saying like the TV show has surpassed the movie, but you it's are right different. that it's it's very different and like I'm just glad – I don't know if they could have – I'm so happy that they chose to go with a different cast here as opposed to taking and Jermaine. One, because they're doing their own shit now, um, but also because I think that it adds so much more life to this world to have these other characters and then to just – be able to fall back on like oh we can bring in the vampiric guild for this episode and then just have like tilda swinton show up as well as taika and jermaine and all these other Evan fucking Rachel people. Wood? yeah we can have all these fucking people just show up at our disposal Is it, um fucking blade yeah, in
0: there he's yeah, like on Blade's- a zoom call wesley
2: snipes yeah <laughs> That's funny. It's It's, fucking insane. It's
1: so good. There's, I mean, there's even more uh, people in there that I don't want to spoil all the cameos that are in both seasons of the show, but I this show is just a fucking masterclass. It's yeah. it's a masterclass no, in comedy.
2: You're right though that
1: like I think it does
2: even in season one. I think it does surpass the movie because I love the movie. The movie is incredible. So do I,
1: but I don't want that. I I I kind of do feel like it has because it. I mean, it's just a longer form and this this kind it's of exploring this kind of comedy. Well, no, exactly it, it's, because it, it's the, the movie restricting for it to just have just that two hour movie. It, the movie is.
2: I don't want to see it. It's kind of is. Easier to just coast on the brilliance of the premise of making the. I mean, it's a, mock- a, a ninety-minute movie. It's yeah, not a two-hour. I know. Man. It's just, but it's Night. about like that movie is all about. It's a mockumentary about vampires. Like that is a crazy idea, and we made a movie about it. And the camera is just Taika Waititi's
0: face, yeah, half the time. Exactly, like, it's not really doing. No, that. no,
2: no. <laughs> so, so that the movie is, you know, it's short enough. at ninety minutes. You can just coast on that premise and like make a really good comedy. But to make a show, you have to really dig into like what that idea provides you in terms of like, okay, how do we like splay this out? How do we fillet this and meal plan this idea for like a year? Guillermo is how you do it.
1: Yeah. Fucking this guy. Harvey Guillen. Also, we have gotten this far into talking about what we do in the shadows. And we even talked about Mark Proach, the energy vampire himself. He
0: gets an episode that is. (laughs) Absolutely, one of my brilliant.
1: one of my favorite actors. He's so good. One of my I fucking yeah. love this dude episode so much. where
2: he
0: gains yeah where he power. goes
1: power. Yeah.
0: Oh my god, dude!
1: It's so it's good. unbelievable. It's so fucking good. It easily could have been even higher on my list. I fucking love the show. So what what is on your list? That so was my this, number
2: six.
0: This was both of our number. Oh, six. that was yeah. That was both of you. Do, do you guys want to take a quick break since we're at the halfway point? Yeah, let's take a quick. Well, break.
2: sounds uh, like you do. So
1: it's we're an hour in. Okay. So, oh, we're doing good on Hour 15 Okay, so that's not an hour That's an hour this 15 This is a whole different number But I <laughs> <laughs> We'll
0: take a quick break And we'll do our Five through one We are back with our top 10 tv shows mm-hmm. of 2020 mm-hmm. our top five is coming up we just did our top six um should we should we recap or should we just save that for the end Nah, fuck it fuck yeah. the recap yeah no. we've re-upped on banana bread mm-hmm. we're three to four truly's or sorry white claws mm-hmm. not to have Corporate sponsorship. Yeah, we have to stay here. under
1: three and a half hours. This podcast. We went back the, to White Claw. Well, the the Truly thing
2: is it's tied in like an endorsement deal to Danny, right? Like if he's on, it has to be Truly, or else like he doesn't come on. Right, he won't come on unless we talk about Truly. Mm-hmm. We're really just drinking vodka every episode. <laughs> um. Anyway, we're top five. Yeah, yeah, it's your number five. My number five is one that I. You know, it, it, I can say that for, for many of these, they wouldn't be this high if I had watched more stuff. But uh, I do want to talk about devs. Okay. It, and, it's, and it is my number five. Um, Honors number eight. It's mm-hmm. an interesting comparison to The Queen's Gambit because overall, The Queen's Gambit is better. Definitely. Um, but devs left more of an impact on me. Um, I've This year, I've gained more of an appreciation for filmmakers who are... More compartmentalized in what they're good at, and that's Alex Garland to a T. He is so he's the best at what he's good at, and he's really like not all that great at other stuff. uh so the human element of this show is lacking. Um, the philosophical debate in the show that is like told through humans is very, all it is is fascinating for sure, but the base humanity of it is is missing in uh, in certain episodes more than others. And that is a significant flaw. Um, I think he is the best director at. Maybe he's not like fully hands on with it, but he is the best sound design director I think working today. Mm-hmm. And the, wah wah we wah.
1: <laughs> you
0: can see that tweet? Yeah. No, that was somebody. I'm stealing that from somebody. I cannot
2: believe I didn't tweet that. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Wah wah, wee, wah. <laughs> That's So good. um but yeah he's he's just a very lopsided director and that's okay like i i appreciate the fact that he is maxed out in certain attributes um and it's he's a really interesting dude also because his he's very contradictory like his brain is very strange to me because it, it he has a lot of nolan brain to him where he feels the need to over explain heady things to the audience mm-hmm. to keep everyone on board but also he's the best at the abstract like his forte is visually depicting very abstract concepts uh as you know as shown by the end of annihilation or the end of ex machina or uh the end of deaths <laughs> like that's where he shines it, like the the way that uh, the dev super supercomputers representation of past events is shown visually is one of the most beautiful things I've seen in a TV show ever. Like it's so good looking. Um, and the sounds that accompany it are are better to me. And the visuals. Those, yeah. those the sounds of that show gave me goosebumps yeah. most episodes. The white yeah. noise, like static yeah shit. And then on top of that, he's really good at sound drops. There's like there's a Fleet Fox's drop. Um, it, a lot of it is just dropping like really good like 60s folk throughout this show. Mm-hmm. He's really good at that, um, which contrasts yeah. with like the high tech. Yeah, right. Premise. Exactly. Right. The yeah, his his sound design is unparalleled. His visual design of abstract things is unparalleled. It's just on the human side that he falters.
1: Yeah. So I paired this show in my list. I have at seven and eight devs and the Queen's Gambit because I think. I mean, really, they could flip flop, in my opinion. It doesn't really matter, honestly. I made this. I made my list more in tears this year than I have, especially in years past, Um, where I think The Queen's Gambit is a much more consistent show. I think the highs of this show are some of the best things I've seen on television this year. Like, I mean, I think that when this show works, it fucking sings unlike anything else, movie, TV, any kind of content out there. It just. It is a little. It's not bit, always, always going to hit. Is the there thing. were a couple full episodes
2: that just that didn't just do don't much work. Yes,
1: exactly, and that's the thing with the show.
0: Waiting for it to get to that tipping point.
1: Yeah, yeah. and. I really like the season finale. I don't think that it gave me... It didn't really hit exactly the same way. I wanted to be hit with a bombshell the same way I was with Annihilation, Mm -hmm. and it didn't quite hit in that same way. And that's why I think that on our Devs episode, I think I was might have came down a little bit more on the negative side of it, but there is still just so much to admire in it, and most of that is just all goes to Alex Garland. Just because Alex Garland is i think one of if he's not one of the best he is one of the most unique filmmakers that we have working right now it's
2: yeah it's just it's such a strange dichotomy of dude we don't have anyone else like that who is so he has like the stem kid brain you know the nolan brain and yet he is best at what he doesn't seem to like (laughs) like that doesn't make any sense at yeah. all I,
0: I wish that this show would have gone further oh that, it goes, well, that's the thing Is It this, goes
2: further than other shows yes but it, this show could have easily been a lot better I yeah think. it, it wouldn't
1: you, have taken much to make it a lot better mm. i was thinking while like thinking back at the show making my big list of just like what would have happened if david lynch made devs <laughs> like just something like maybe like because that would be a different show but like if one of the characters would have been a tea kettle. Well, <laughs> what would have happened no, my, if, if David
2: Lynch made I, the Queen's Gambit?
1: I say that in the sense of, I, not that I want David Lynch to make devs, be, but more so that I wish that Alex Garland gave as much of a fuck about what people think about his show as David Lynch does, and that he's like, I'm not explaining this. Like, he's just like, so you, you just mean fucking like, figure it you out on your own. wish he gave as
2: little of a fuck.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, I wish that he just kind of put it out as raw as he possibly could. And we get moments of that, but like you said, he does have that Nolan brain in him where he wants to over explain stuff. And then there's the disconnect of the lack of human element, which leads to this whole lack of empathy in the show, which I think is at kind of one of the core principles of the show is it's lack of empathy. It's something that's been, especially in ex machina compared to this show that about what is the line of humanity um but that's what's so fascinating that those are the big
0: questions that he's preoccupied with like at what point do we define what makes us conscious and what makes us alive And and what makes us human as opposed to a perfectly accurate Simulation of humanity.
2: And yeah, it this it kind of does play into I was I was talking about uh Jean Baudrillard the other week and like his simulacra simulations theory. This does fit very neatly into that. Like you could analyze it from that lens, but um it's just like overall it is a bit of a bummer. Um I think it also suffered from some constraints of him being used to writing movies and not shows Mm -hmm. where there were a lot of redundant scenes throughout the season yeah there were a lot of scenes that had very very poignant interesting discussions about the nature of decision making and uh what time is and what the current moment is and what determines it um multiple times
0: (laughs) but there were still moments that were centered around those conversations that were better than anything I saw. No, definitely. Like it's the, just... the episode with uh, the Allison Pill character, and um, I'm forgetting the, the Lily young, Chan Sid. Uh, oh, 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 the little yeah. Um, when they're on the 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 dam, yeah, overlooking that yeah 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 th- that conversation that that happens there about where they're they're discussing. Whether the kid is going to jump off the dam or not, and yeah. whether it makes a difference. No, whether, yeah, that's or the not, thing. It makes a
2: choice to do so. It's it's often it's done so incredibly well, and the reason that it works so well in that scene, and all the scenes that it does, is because that scene moved the plot forward. Mm-hmm. That scene included a moment and the
0: visual of all of the. Well, yeah, exactly. It was cinematic layered on top of each it, other. It was
2: very cinematic, and it it included a moment that was very pivotal to the whole show. And a lot of these discussions covered similar ground, but also were less cinematic and didn't move anything forward. Yeah.
1: And it's because he's not used to writing uh, TV. I yeah. would have to assume it's, it's kind of, a, I almost wish that he would have waited to make this, like make a different show and then make this show because I well, think this that could maybe have been a movie, but, but I don't think that this would have worked as well as it did, even as a show, despite its faults as a movie, if it was constrained to a two hour, two hour, 15 minute mark, I think that it would have been a bit heavy-handed. Like I liked that the story was told over in the television format. I just wish that he maybe would have worked out some of the kinks in his TV writing because it's TV a, writing and film writing are completely yeah, different yeah. art
2: forms. He he remains one of the most interesting and uh, sometimes frustrating filmmakers. Mm.
1: Also, period. I mean, He's, great cast. We didn't really talk about the cast, but. Uh, Sonoya Mizuno, who plays the lead Lily Nick Chan. Offerman. Nick Offerman, of course. Kaylee Spaney, who plays Lyndon. Allison, um, is one Allison, talking Allison about? Pill is Allison my favorite Pill. person
2: in the show, I think.
1: Allison Pill is unbelievable. Also, shout out to Zach Greenier. Fucking love that dude uh, who plays Kenton. It's, it, oh, yes! Uh, yeah, that guy, he's what so fucking good. So good
2: yeah it's it's a really it's a really good show it's just very lopsided and uh, the thing is i i like after thinking about it for months i came to appreciate the fact that i can take the wild positives out of it. the same with annihilation i think about annihilation more than i think of shows that were just general movies that year that were just generally pretty good because Mm -hmm. annihilation had the best ending i've ever seen goes for it Yeah. yeah yeah whereas you know i don't know it's just memorable it's a memorable show it's not a great show
0: it's Debs. It's Drew's number five and Hunter's number eight. My number five is a show that I am positive. We're going to have to wait on, but maybe not too much. It's how to with John Wilson. We're going to have to wait
1: on that. Yeah. Um, my number five is another show that we're going to have to wait on. I'm sure it is pen 15. <laughs> yeah. Just <so laughs> tap.
2: Yeah. You could say that. <laughs> um, So we're on number four now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My number four is the last dance.
1: We're gonna have to wait on that Just one. Just a bit.
0: Okay. Um, so we're now at my number four, which
1: is the last dance. And we're still gonna have to wait on that one. So we're your number four. <laughs> we're about to wait again. This is great podcasting. It is how to with John Wilson. So we're at my number three, which now we can talk about how
2: to with John Wilson.
1: Okay, all right, cool. <laughs> All right. I knew that this was going to happen at the end, that we were going to have a, maybe a lot of different stuff in the back half, but then yeah. so some overlap here. Drew's number
0: three, Hunter's number four, and my number five. What a beautiful, unique, unlike anything else show that yeah. we've mm-hmm. had. Unlike anything a I've new, ever seen. It's, it's technically a documentary mm-hmm. show, but it's like. If you just describe it as that, it doesn't really tell you yeah. what
2: you're gonna watch. Yeah. It's it's a revelation because it it del ev- most episodes end up digging at such insane depths by the end of it uh, that it yeah, kind of leaves you stupefied how he did it. And I think the secret ingredient to why this show works so so well because we've already talked about the show and how it works like mechanically speaking, but I think the reason. That this stuck with me so hard is because it really does feel like the act of John Wilson keeping his archives doesn't seem like it is for the purpose of making this show. In fact, it's actually just not.
1: No, he had had thousands, tens of thousands. He had years of archives.
2: We learned from the show that he writes down a list of everything that he did every day, every single day for like over 10 years. The, so his brain just works this way. And the show is a reflection of how, of how he already was. It feels so organic. It's natural. It just is this man. Like it's not, it's not forced in any way. Like this is just it. He's coaxed into creating better things from like, honestly, from, and I'm not just saying this from Nathan Fielder's guiding hand. like, Nathan Fielder is the person who told John Wilson every episode has to have one moment that leaves people with their jaws like on the floor
0: but it doesn't feel like Nathan for you
2: again it's not even close because he lets John Wilson be John Wilson it is in the same way that Nathan for you is Nathan Fielder this is a whole different guy who just wildly different philosophically speaking uh, content wise uh, reality wise because The reason that I think a lot of people bump on Nathan for you and think that it's fake is because Nathan for you is doing to real people what reality shows do to them, which is making them act. Uh, The only thing is that they don't know what they're acting in on Nathan for you. They think they're acting in something else. Yeah. Uh, This show is not asking anyone to act at all.
0: It's just capturing. Yes. This show.
2: This show is like cinema verite. This show is like it's it's really, really organic.
1: Let me just say this show, like almost more than anything else that I've seen in a long time, it just made me miss New York so bad. Like it just taps into just like the fact that you can just see. The most wild shit just on the street as you're just like walking around. That is New York at its core is like you can just see uh, somebody carrying a dead body out of a house and then they accidentally drop the dead body on the ground. Yeah, <laughs> you can see a man tie a loaf of bread to a <laughs> pole on a subway for no, reason. For no fucking reason when he could yeah. just hold the bag. The, yeah, this like is just
2: this is just a guy who compulsively films think not yeah. for the content necessarily just because he likes filming stuff but when mm-hmm. it comes to new
0: york new york is so incredibly fast-paced that all of these things you just immediately move on from because you're just trying to get to the next thing yeah. you're not fixated on anything mm-hmm. unless you're john wilson and you're pulling out your camera to fixate on every little well,
2: thing yeah that i think the main similarity between him and nathan fielder is this measured quality this this quality of very slowly taking everything in and observing and processing um you can see that in both of their their even their speaking patterns are similar like the pace at which they they speak he is he's his narration yeah which is (laughs) i feel like especially would be hard to do like you said in a city like new york where everything is so like unbelievably pressure cookered uh he is taking things in at his own pace and as a result he's noticing things that are right in front of everyone but only he is noticing mm-hmm. and it's it's awesome and the thing i love most about the show is that it's it's been renewed for season two and it does have significant room for growth um it, it really truly does because first of all the season was shortened because of covid right um only and, six episodes yeah and i i would assume that like multiple like maybe all episodes were affected by it or at least multiple were um but the last one's the one that gets into it definitely but like particularly toward the end of the season in general i could feel them sort of lacking in content in certain episodes um it it has the same issue that nathan for you does where uh it's all great and it's all unique and singular but the the more interaction based stuff the better and the less vo stuff because there are certain episodes that are almost 100 the the gag of like him talking and then there being a clip that corresponds to what he's saying which is fine because that's very entertaining to watch but connecting separate things that other people wouldn't think to yeah like very disparate elements like just by by premise or word association like that's very fascinating but there there are episodes that lean More on that and those are the worst episodes
1: Yeah the episodes they're incredible is when He just meets people on the street like in the First one where the how to make small Talk and he's just like "Ah, I just need To get out of town and it goes to Him going to uh, MTV spring break Thing and just finding this guy Yeah who's just like A dude but just talking to this Man for yeah for a long Time like and
2: getting to the like Getting to like a holding Caulfield style Realization where this guy's best Friend just died.
1: Or yeah. the fucking, I, I don't even want to spoil it, but in um I think it's episode four How to Cover Your
0: Furniture. How to cover
1: your the furniture. Guy. The thing. Uh, <laughs> what happens in that show? Let's just say that the company behind it actually liked a tweet that we had whenever we talked about the show, which is probably the highlight of this entire podcast. That, let's Ooh. say
0: a, a conversation plays out with a man laying on a bed discussing the 2019 film parasite and how it was pretty good
2: while well, his foreskin is tied to a bed. um that
1: yeah i love that Unbe- like honestly if this show was more than six episodes this would really vie for my number one spot like yeah. really it's just it, the the fact that it's so short is the only like knock that i have against yeah, this show there
2: there's there's room for growth here and i i like i i'm over the moon with it like i'm so happy with how it turned out i'm happy that it's not just pure nathan type yeah style content but it still feels like it makes sense that he produced it
0: it almost feels like shit that nathan couldn't do in his format that he would love to do Mm -hmm. like when he um when john goes to meet the the people who are gathered in the society of like The Mandela effect, yeah, and all of the the sort of like Berenstein Bears situations, yeah, that um that they're all sort of connecting with, like that's something that I feel like Nathan would
2: struggle to work into his whole (laughs) small business setup.
0: Well, but it's right up his
2: alley. Yeah, of course, and that's that's where I think the show needs to explore more in season two. Is it needs to find not necessarily just like groups of insane people like that, but it needs to find very ultra specific groups of people that you wouldn't consider being interesting, like the referee group. Yeah. Oh my the god. referee yes. store. Because there are small like societies or like associations like that everywhere, especially mm-hmm. in New York. Every small little profession, you can find a meeting where they all meet up and like just random weird shit will happen like that at some, and the venue will always be strange like it is. Like <laughs> It, that is a goldmine that no one yeah. is tapping into it, and it the, uh, the
0: the furniture covering business yeah where the guys like, <laughs> he asked the guy do you cover your furniture and he's like no
2: nah <laughs> the in the referee episode, one of the funniest uh things i've seen in tv period this year is when he asked the guy at the ref store how many refs there are in new york
1: yeah and the guy's like uh like two hundred and fifty thousand. <laughs> It's like, well,
2: yeah, 10 million Wait, people,
1: probably, yeah. probably, probably like,
2: 275,000.
1: Fucking what? How many reps? <laughs>
2: there's, but there's, there's moments they of... Who are there's,
1: officiating?
0: There's insane comedic moments, but there's moments of, like, beauty, too. Yeah. Like, the that spring the break second, thing. The, Yeah, the spring break one. The second episode with the, the scaffolding. Yeah, the scaffolding one, one. Where he goes to, like, New Orleans, mm-hmm. and he shows, like, how scaffolding can be beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then he shows that one building that gets... It, it falls on the spot that he was standing on mm-hmm. a day yeah. before and it's like you how you wouldn't think that an episode about scaffolding could find beautiful meaning yeah. and, and he manages to do it in, in in a ton of these episodes to connect this really abstract idea to
2: some sort of like grander statement about humanity yeah it's just it's a singular product it feels like a reflection of this man's brain and like more so than it does like a television show and nathan few is my favorite show ever but that is an extremely structured show and this is way more flowy and i i love it so much man like it, it's incredible
0: i can't wait to see what else he does um like you said it is renewed so hoping for the best from season two how to with john wilson it's Drew's number three hunters number four and uh, my number five so
2: what's your number three
0: My number five or my number three is Pen15.
1: Hey, wait a minute. All right. So mine, I'm going to guess that you guys now don't have it now that we're getting into the top threes. This is a show that we talked about months and months ago. um, And then it kind of fell by the wayside. And then I feel like people forgot about it a little bit. It is part two of season five of BoJack Horseman. Oh, this is very high up. Wow. So I rewatched all of this the last couple days. And I said it on the pod and I'll say it again. This is the best thing that Netflix has ever done. Like, I think it's miles ahead of anything else that Netflix has ever done. And it's never going to get appreciated for that because it's a stupid little show about cartoons and animals. And it's a great ending. This show is, I mean... (laughs) I know it's only half of a season, but this show hits so many different grand themes and ideas in ways that are more profound than any movie or television that, like, just about anything that I've ever seen. The way that it discusses depression and this whole idea of wanting that the grand idea of I want to be a better person, but I don't want to have to put forth any effort towards it is crushing and beautiful. Um, the Diane character, her last few episodes, uh, that she really shines in. It's a really, really beautiful portrait of what depression is as this idea of like, not really knowing what happiness is but learning to find somebody that you can trust in them that they are happy with you and kind of training your body to learn to trust that feeling and come as close to that idea as happy to happiness as you possibly can aside from that this season really goes balls to the walls with the animation value and with the abstract nature. Episode, yeah. The penultimate episode is incredible. The Diane episode. That's the second episode of the newer season where it's her trying to figure out what she's writing about for this memoir. And it has this real, um, uh what's the name of the um show um the not uh fucking the animated very very low budget Netflix show with like stick figures uh oh, uh it's a beautiful day yeah like it has like that kind of John schizophrenic Hertzfield. nature yeah John Hertzfield. that's what i was looking for um it's just an unbelievable show it's one of the best closers to a show in recent memory really i mean i think that It sends off in the most beautiful way. The whole phrase like um, that the show sends you off on is, um, you know, life is hell and then you die sometimes or sometimes life is hell and then you keep on living. Mm -hmm. And that's a phrase that stuck with me and resonated with me all year, especially this past year, because we just kind of have to keep churning along of just like, well, I mean, this sucks, but we're still here. So, we just kind of have to make the best out of this situation. Um, I think that this show is like absolutely stupendous. Like, it is a near perfect show, in my opinion. I've been doing a watch through the whole show, but then I jumped ahead a little bit just so I could refresh myself on the last few episodes. I had this in the back half of the top 10, and I was like, no, what the fuck am I doing? Like, this, I know it's only half a season. But this half a season is one of the most compelling things I've seen on television this year. Well, it's
0: it's the goodbye. It's the end. Yeah. So it's the last chance to put it on on any list because they wrapped up the the, the it's, series.
1: It's also like it knows how to tie up loose ends in the most satisfying way that don't fe- feel force fed. I will say, I mean, as heavy as I might have made it sound the last like two minutes where I was talking about it. This also just has some unbelievable humor as the show just does. And so much like it, it doesn't sacrifice any of the comedic elements in this final send-off for the show for the dramatic moments there's still some incredible points the um claire uh what's her name um something sinclair the the reporters that go around the the little pig and the guy it's just it's really funny it's a fucking masterful show i absolutely absolutely love this thing
0: we'll miss it it's BoJack Horseman. I, I love this show. This was on my long list. I'm glad it made it on the pod because it's 100% worthy. Hunter's number three. Top two, boys. Top two. Drew. Pen15. Okay. Okay. Is this... We've all mentioned it? Yes, mm-hmm. we have. It's Drew's number two, my number three, Hunter's number five. five. Um, We already talked plenty about this on yeah. multiple occasions, but it just needs to be reiterated how perfect this show is and god damn i hope they keep making it we're supposed to get a season two part two mm. or whatever they decide to call it but you know we don't get unique
2: creative visions like yeah. this often and also on top of all that because we've we've talked about a lot about how like mechanically this show works in ways that are like unparalleled like they haven't happened before and how like that creates so much comedy um but the ability to accurately and honestly portray a childhood emotion and the way that it works and the way that like social structures work in childhood is really rare that's another reason that eighth grade is one of my favorite movies is because that's one of the first times i've actually seen it done in a recognizable way in an emotionally truthful way and this show has that and it's almost it's it's almost like a similar litmus test to how shows kind of like high maintenance uh can emotionally accurately predict people being on drugs because it's kind of a similar experience like being a kid is sort of similar to being like drunk or high where like everything is a little bit simpler and it comes more down to your base instincts and emotions um and that can reveal greater truths than focusing on adults or, or, or on like you know like more serious like sober subjects I think that can reveal more about the human experience and this show reveals more about the human experience than I would say almost any other show that I've seen
0: yeah it's 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 equal parts melancholy and hilarious and just
2: it's truthful it's a truthful yeah. show it's and it's so heightened unique. and it's crazy and stupid but it's very truthful.
0: I you get lost in it. You get lost in it. You forget how much of a miracle it is
1: and I I think it's it's brilliant. Yeah, I mean it's it's a masterclass. I cannot wait for I mean we did a little bonus episode about our 21 most anticipated things for 2021 and part two of the season easily could have made our list of things. I because hope it I happens. Can't... I, it got, it got pushed because of the pandemic. Yeah. It also hasn't officially been renewed for any season three or anything like that. So I, I mean, just everybody, if you are listening to this, please watch the show. It's absolutely genius. It taps into this period of your life that other than, Eighth grade, I mean, is really the only other thing that's close enough to this, but this is has is a little bit more lighthearted and more accessible than something like eighth grade is.
0: Also, they're I know we've said it before, but their performances Yeah, they're
1: <laughs> they're on another
2: they're in another world, man. Yeah. Like they it's Anna
0: and Maya is just
2: Yeah. I just haven't seen anything like that. The it. the difficulty level, much like high maintenance, is maybe maybe it's not obvious to everyone but this is a harder show to make than almost any other show on tv (laughs) and it really is and they
0: make it look so easy i know you get so sucked into it you're never thinking about the absolute like again miracle that they're pulling off
2: yeah and it's and it can be easy to downplay how significant it is what they're doing because this is a funny show more than you know more than most like it's it's a comedy but i think that in terms of like discovering things about the human condition, like it, that sounds really weighty to give to, to say that about any show. um. But that's ultimately like the point of art. <laughs> and this show to me is just on a pure level. Like this is art. Like it, it feels important to me when I watch this show and it's on top of that, it's like dumb as shit <laughs> and funny. Yeah. Like, it's, it's really special to me. It's one of my favorite shows I've ever seen. Very rewatchable, too. Mm-hmm.
0: Short episode, short season. Mm-hmm. I, I, I look forward to diving back into it. Pen15. That's Drew's number two. My number two. We're going to have to wait on this. I can smell it. <laughs> I may destroy it. <sighs>
1: didn't make my long list. Yeah, we're going to have to wait on it. <laughs> What's your number two? My number two. Look, you guys didn't have it in your top two. And I took that personally. It's The Last Dance.
0: Um, What a great show. So here's
1: the thing is that... Riveting television. I feel like people now, there's like the people that are coming out, they're just like, oh, well, this show's actually bad because Michael Jordan produced it, so it didn't tell the full story. And guess what? To my... Like, what I want to say to those people is like, just like, fuck off and go like, read online. Like, if you want more Michael Jordan content, it's all there for you. Jason Hare, what he did while making the show is tell the story of Michael Jordan in the most articulate and fleshed out way that we have seen and that we will ever see. And if that required Michael Jordan's approval because you need to interview Michael Jordan for a Michael Jordan documentary, then so be it. Like, I am so delighted that we got this. I talked about how earlier about how Survivor replaced sports for me uh, whenever the shutdown began. And The Last Dance did the same thing for me and for millions of other people. I uh, championed the show when it was premiering on ESPN week to week. And watching it in the two-episode weekly segments on um, Sunday nights whenever it would drop was just another one of just the highlights of my week that I could look forward to that. I always had this. I know that you guys both watch this on Netflix yeah, when I could just binge devour it. Out of it, but I really <laughs> loved having it in these little segments that I could get into because I, it's the way that it's presented is on with these cliffhangers, like with these little bits yeah, that I you're d- just I like, I couldn't help myself. Fuck, <laughs> I need to catch. I need to see the next, I have to wait a week for this. And it kind of took me back to an, older time of television of waiting for these weekly installments and same thing with sports of just like, all right, well they won this game. What's going to happen next. I have to see the next yeah. round of this. Match. And I'm sure
0: there was a whole like Twitter online. Oh yeah. I mean the Twitter discourse week. for
1: this was just awesome. I, I went all in on this, not just for the show itself, but also for that discourse. I listen to a lot of sports podcasts. So like having like, kind of like the weekly recaps and all this kind of stuff coming from all these other different angles was just one of the best things that happened this year. Like I just, I fucking loved everything about this. All just the random characters or not random. That's the wrong word. Cause these are huge figures in society, but just like spending a whole episode on a guy like, um, Dude, like Steve, Dennis Rodman yeah Rodman Steve Kerr Steve Kerr, who Already just has an extremely compelling Story but it's being an episode with him Phil Jackson's whole episode where It talks about his rise and now he does like Fucking transcendental Meditation and shit like I, that I like, just want to hang
0: out with Steve I, Yeah
1: I just want to Phil Jackson I, yeah Phil Jackson's a fucking chiller uh, He ran the Knicks even more into The ground than they already were and You know what we love to see that Um I just I fucking love this this thing I I've gone back and I actually I'll casually just put this back on on Netflix because it's just it's just yeah. fucking comfort food for well, cause me it's
0: not just a story about Michael Jordan it's it's a story about this team it's about the Bulls. it's
1: about the team it's also like a reflection of what the 90s were especially right. the late 90s because it is focusing on that 98 season but the needle drops in this show are fucking unbelievable they're so so good it just it takes me back to a different time it's in the yeah, best possible way it,
2: it's perfectly put together like it, it's yeah things are like i said kind of about tiger king but like wait it's it's way better constructed than tiger king is um in terms of making you you have to keep watching like there's not another option you have to just put on the next yeah. episode even if you know, like I knew ev- all of it. Like I knew mm-hmm. like all the major plot points. I knew the outcomes of every major game. Uh, I still could not stop watching. It's riveting.
0: I I didn't know all that. Yeah, outcomes. I know. So <laughs> I was riveted to that extent of like figuring out, you know, which games they won and which they didn't and yeah. how the championship turned out. And they do do all a net, major player. They do
1: do a pretty good job. If you don't know of like showing some, they don't, I mean, they don't show all of them, but like whenever Michael, the season, he returns from baseball and you're like, Oh shit, here they go again. And then they get fucking blown out by yeah. the magic in the playoffs. And you're like, Oh, well. It, that's in none. terms
0: of just a show, a, a television show, it is expertly made like so riveting, so thrilling. And at the end of the day, pretty fucking emotional too. you know, you get yeah. these extremely the intimate moments, the
1: scene. I mean, because it's an iconic shot of Michael Jordan going down wherever he's holding the trophy after his dad died, the first championship he wins. But having that audio released to the world for the first time where you can just hear him sobbing is like it it's a had punch. me choked up. Like it actually yeah. had me teared up while watching this thing. It's yeah. a moment that I knew was coming, but still just seeing and hearing that and riding on this journey. This does kind of going back to what you were saying about Tiger King, where Tiger King, it's like it almost, it doesn't matter who made this. It was going to be compelling regardless, as long as they just kept the camera rolling Jason Hare, because he is somebody who has put together several in my opinion, great sports documentaries before he knows how to run the show. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to edit this thing. And that like it could, if it was in worse hands, this could be one, it could be dumbed down because it would just be the 98 season or two, just become really convoluted with all the time jumping and stuff like that. But the way that he illustrates the show using the timeline is just expertly done. It's the show. It, it It's, it's a showcase of what good documentary and especially sports documentary filmmaking is. And it, it all ties together. Cause you know that the,
0: the, the main timeline is this one season. So, you know, mm. it's always going to jump to that. And anytime it jumps back, it's just filling in something yeah. that is going to inform the main timeline of this uh what is it seventh championship season sixth sixth,
2: and and also the way a lot of episodes begin and end with focus on a tertiary player yeah but the meat of every episode is still jordan yeah that's another smart uh, and the, structure the interview move. footage like that's yeah. what this whole thing is sort
0: of built around like he was waiting to sign off on it and then he shot all these new
1: interviews and he looks like shit. He looks like bloated, <laughs> Smoking drunk like fuck. 20 cigars a day, 20 giant cigars a day. But you
0: see the weight of an entire lifetime of fame and success on this guy and his giant mm. billion dollar mansion. And it it's an entire story told right there. And it's almost this tragic. At some points, it's a horrific story but it's also this tragic tale of like how fame breaks you yeah and 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 the chaos it
1: leaves in your life yeah i mean it's it's unbelievable i mean just somebody it a showcase of like would you do anything to be the best and what is the cost of that like exactly. it really is the ultimate kind of be careful what you wish for story but it's not and even if they of, don't but it's not a story of regret no, it's not because I mean he's still happy with where he's at, and I mean now he's the owner of the Charlotte Hornets. He's been historically a bad owner, but hey, the Charlotte Charlotte Hornets actually look promising this year. So maybe twenty twenties is the year Jordan is back. Maybe we'll see. No. We'll, we'll see. Probably not. Probably <laughs> back not. back on but the court. Hey. <laughs> No, no, no. Like back like just being, <laughs> being a figure. Being good at being something. Being good, <laughs> yeah.
2: Lamella was a good choice.
1: Hey, Lamella was a good choice. Gordon Hayward's looking good out there even if he's a little MAGA boy. Yeah. You know. <laughs> That's the last dance.
0: It's Drew's number four. My number four. And my number Hunter's two. number two. So let's get to the meat of
1: it, boys. We've been waiting for it. <sighs> well- drew i know what your number one is it's the same as mine yeah so, so why don't we do yours first well, yeah
2: because well that technically that's how we have to do it because my number one is i may destroy you and then we have to wait until my number one go. is
1: you may destroy me shut up with your pick so ernie, i may destroy you. ernie what's your number one better call Saul.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah knew it. um
0: Guys, watch this show. At some point, <laughs>
1: it's on my list of shows to watch, but while trying to binge things, I was like, I can't make it through four seasons in a week. I I'm at a point
0: right now. I'm excited for the 6th season, which is slated to be the final season. This has the potential to be better than Breaking Bad. Wow. Like Vince Gilligan and crew are just peak shit. Absolutely peak level of fucking TV storytelling. And it was a slow burn. This was not a show that started how Breaking Bad started, where the pilot is just a fucking bullet out of a gun barrel to your face. Yeah, That's not what this was. This was a very, very slow, deliberate burn. And now in its fifth season is the best show on television because of the the groundwork laid before it in all the previous seasons and the amount. Of weight that is hanging over this story and these characters. Absolutely incredible shit. And they throw a curveball at you. They throw a brand new character in this season. Tony Dalton playing Lalo. Fucking out of nowhere this guy comes in and fuck shit up. And it's incredible. It's 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 absolutely incredible television, guys. I I can't I don't know what to tell you. I mean, we're about to talk about a show that's also amazing, but this is as good as it gets. And so, I can't like believe shit. I can't believe that I am genuinely considering it to be better than one of the best shows ever made. Mm. But it's also because it it ties into that story and it's building off of your mm. connection to that story and those characters. But this is also telling a new story with new characters and you're connecting to Plot lines and character arcs that you don't see in the original show, that you don't see in Breaking Bad. And that's why they're so impactful because you're like, what is going to happen to this person? Mm-hmm. They're never mentioned in the original show. Yeah, like where does she go? We don't know. Mm. And it's absolutely riveting. Absolutely riveting. There are entire episodes that are so perfectly crafted in terms of shot composition, performances writing
1: everything it is just peak peak shit it's so good so good i know i I, i'm gonna try to watch this show before the last season (laughs) i got into breaking bad late i got into that like season three or i think i watched season four live so maybe i can get around to watching the final season live i i I absolutely i'm gonna have to
2: do some serious Mending of my attention span Before I get into Better Call Saul I'll be honest with you That's the barrier It truly
1: is It's not But it's not that it, It's not that big of an ask I mean the beginning of Breaking Bad Is pretty goddamn slow I started doing a rewatch yeah, pretty in, I early I in had quarantine. my better attention
2: span in high school than yeah. right now. <laughs>
1: the, my
0: this brain's show, broken guys I'm not this joking show, This show is slow But once you You feel those wheels turning it it gets you going man it is so so good and you know not every episode is going to be the most riveting shit but as soon as you start to get into these later seasons it is as good as it gets Mm -hmm. trust me that's better call Saul that's my favorite show of the year let's talk about I May Destroy You
2: You, Um, which is the in addition to being like you know among the best shows of year this is like the show of the year Mm -hmm. yeah this is the show that is the year this is the show that is now and is so uh so unbelievably qualified to represent the current moment in history outside of COVID, of course but
1: well and i mean it has there's so many ideas in this show of course michaela cole wrote starred co-directed created is like the centerpiece of this show and it's dealing with the female experience it's dealing with the black experience it's dealing with kind of being in this social media age and kind of being obsessed with this need for attention and need for praise something that like we feel that little endorphin rush every time that we get a like on one of our tweets from somebody who we don't follow or something like that. Like it is tapping into all of these different ideas, but it never gets too bogged down in the ideas to take away from the central story. Yeah, The central story is just about this one woman who is trying to just write her write a book like write her story pretty much
2: it's it's yeah it's a show about rape yeah it's it's about rape it's about a woman who's raped and how she deals with it but also it's an extremely intersectional show it's about how rape intersects with race uh how it intersects with technology uh you know how it intersects with class and sex uh like that is the central like that's the driving force behind each individual conflict in the show. It's a it's an extremely rich text. Yeah.
0: that you can you can get a lot out of it. There's not one thing that this show is about. No, you can, you can take mm-hmm. away a lot of different things from it, and it's not
2: the thing that the show is it's about. Well, and I think it this is a a compliment to the show that you would think that we should be beyond complimenting shows for this, but I think one of the biggest reasons that the shows work so well. The shows. The show works so well is because Michaela Cole as Arabella is not afraid to write herself as unbelievably flawed. Yeah, she, for most she makes of the show. Yeah, she makes a ton of mistakes throughout this entire show. Um, she is not always on the right side of things in terms of how she's reacting to what's going on around her. There's one episode in particular that's just about how she is be- becoming a monster to her friends. Um, and that. Like I said, we should be beyond the the need to compliment that. But a lot of lesser shows or movies about a subject like this would make the main character a Pollyanna, who it's just to like to fucking force feed the idea to the audience that she doesn't deserve this. And this show is smarter than that, and it's four people smarter than that. It's four people that know that even if she's so flawed, she still doesn't deserve it because who the fuck does? Nobody does. Well, you're you're touching on my biggest takeaway
0: from this show and like I said you can take there's a lot of things you can take away from it because it's incredibly rich text and depending on your own experiences and and how you feel when you're watching this show you're gonna certain things are gonna jump out at you but at least for me and especially the final episode the biggest takeaway for me was that this is a show that is challenging stories in general Mm -hmm. and what we expect from stories and specifically archetypes in stories Mm -hmm. think about um the small axe movie mangrove yeah phenomenal movie Mm -hmm. the cop in that movie is an archetype yeah he's just shitty as soon as you see that guy you know exactly what kind of character that is going to be Mm -hmm. because that is an archetype it is informed by all of these other stories what kind of character that's going to be. And that actor, he's doing a good job, but he doesn't have to really put that much effort into that performance because as an audience member, we, we already know, have yeah, we an understanding of what that kind of guy he's going to be. This show challenges our understanding of every character archetype yeah and everything that we are bringing into a story based on other stories
2: frankly i think that a big part of why is because of the experience that michaela cole must have had throughout her acting career because in addition to being a black woman which already is incredibly pigeonholing in terms of which roles you get she has a really really severe look to her like she has a fascinating, like a runway model style, severe yeah. face. Um, Beautiful. though. Well, yeah, totally. But just like very, very, like very striking in a way that you would get you typecast even more than just being a black woman, which is such like that's such a uh, a hampering factor in terms of like getting cast in varied roles. But she shows up for like one second in a Black Mirror episode. Mm. And I remembered her face so distinctly from that because you're looking at her. She's like the kiosk lady at an airport and you're like oh my god what the fuck is going Yeah, like, like who is she yeah that is somebody right there um so she had to she took it upon herself to craft an entire show that is about defying
1: I, typecasting and type uh charactering i mean along with that just her uh <laughs> there is i at getting back to or getting to what you were saying about um challenging archetypes this is also a show that's challenging what your idea is of the perfect ending which is most beautifully illustrated in that final episode which i don't want to spoil because i think this is a must watch for literally any person who's breathing right now to watch this show it's on hbo it's on hbo max right now but kind of investigating like what what is the most realistic ending that you want out of any kind of trauma that you experience? And I think that they do that so well going back, going to a uh, Michaela Cole and her look, there is a bunch of comedy in this show for how dark it, Gets at a lot of times. A lot of it is in her performance and in her face acting. Like where she'll be like walking around and she just goes like crazy eyed and stuff like that. That she's works unbelievably well.
2: Yeah, and also like you can't make a show like this. Like we were talking about Alex Garland lacking in the emotional intelligence department. You can't make a show like this without crazy emotional intelligence levels. And this (laughs) show like rings so true in certain moments while still being really heightened and like elastic. In the way that almost yeah. like a pen 15 is we're like the, we can have horror and comedy, you know, within a minute of each other. Um, and just like high drama followed by like really lightheartedness. Um, it, it really goes all over the place and that's reflected in the way it's shot, uh, the way it's edited not just, and not like, not just the way it's acted or written. Like the, it, the entire show reflects a single purpose, like moment to moment.
0: And each episode sort of takes a diff a slightly different approach, you know, like you have the Italy episode, you have the flashback episode. There's even an episode towards the end where everyone wants to say something meaningful, but it's never said. Mm-hmm. that's that's what encapsulates the episode is like there's always something big that goes left unsaid and and she still manages to have that like, episodic approach to the show nowadays when like you know you just something like the queen's gambit that's like just this seven hour eight hour movie or whatever that's like the norm now and this is kind of that too you know uh 12 30 minute episodes that tell one long story but it feels like it's still episodic to an extent where each episode just has a single idea in mind yes
1: I think also another credit to that is aside from Michaela Cole who plays the titular Arabella, um, the two people who play Terry and Kwame are yeah. so important. Especially um I'm gonna butcher this guy's name, but the guy who plays Kwame, uh Papa Asidu, I'm not yeah. sure. I might have just butchered right. his name, but um he is unbelievable. Like his story is so good in capturing what the gay experience is like um, and kind of especially the dismissive nature that people often have like when it comes to rape or when it comes to just kind of the whole idea of like if you're a man you're just you're wanting to have sex so like you know you kind of get what's coming to you like that's the outlook that so many people have towards his character and it's so dismissive of Somebody and how they feel Yeah it's, I mean it's like I said the
2: show It's it's, a, it's an intersectional show like that, that There's a whole episode plus Because it flows into other episodes But it's dedicated to the intersection of Rape and sexuality And how like that the experience Is even why, Drastically different just If you're a gay man versus being a woman mm-hmm. Like it's, it's so Well handled and it never feels Like it's shoving anything down your throat It never feels like it, it it never feels like it's not just a really good show. (laughs) Like you can't stop watching it. Uh, it, It's so supremely uh, bingeable, even though it is extremely uncomfortable a lot of the time Mm -hmm. because all you know, this is a show. Yeah. Not just about, not just regarding a soul. This show also is just generally about sex. There's just tons of really unflinching depictions of good sex, bad sex, you know, like assaultive sex like the whole the full spectrum of the sexual experiences all over the show um and that's not easy for everybody to watch that's not something that particularly bothers me uh luckily but it's i i just felt lucky to be able to watch something that seemed interested in portraying things that aren't often portrayed
0: i never thought it, it was excessive i always no. thought those Mm-mm. moments of of you know sex or 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 kind of more it's it's not tantalizing it's it's explicit but it always serves the story it always has of course
1: it's kind of like one of those things and i know uh sam miller um either solely directed or co-directed along with michaela cole all of the episodes for the season but a lot of times, we've talked about this before with different movies especially, but kind of filming sex or more problematically rape through the male gaze, and this show never depicts that in any way. And does not shy away from the horrific nature of what is happening to these people. Another one of my favorite episodes is uh, with a guy... Um, I I can't remember his name. Um, I don't want to spoil exactly what happens in the episode, but it's a different type of rape. It's not a traditional kind of date rape, sip something in your drink. It's something that probably has happened to a lot, lot of women Um, where a guy who somebody is having sex with slips a condom off in the middle of sex, which is rape. And grappling with that, And kind of the way that you will go through these mental gymnastics with yourself, especially like how victims will try to coerce themselves into thinking like, okay, that wasn't anything that wrong, you know, okay, yeah, whatever. And like talk themselves away from it because that's what society has told them to do. And this show just says no. No, like this is wrong. We need to call out every person who is out here. I makes me want to move to Britain that they actually have people. They have an actual force of people that go and hunt people down who rape women at bars and stuff like that, because I feel like that doesn't happen as much in the States. I Um, I feel like
0: this show is more nuanced than what you're giving it credit for, because I don't I don't feel like that's essentially what this story is.
1: Oh, no, 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 no. That's that's just one element
0: of this show. Like that. The whole Zane thing is extremely interesting to me because this show is about the Me Too movement to a certain extent. And what Arabella is going through is she is dealing with an extremely traumatic situation in a way that is not 100% clear headed. And she is. It's, she's letting it impact her life in a way that is not super healthy. And which what, what she does to Zayn, like obviously what he does is horrible, but the way she handles it, the way she what she does to him, I think that is that uh, the writing of that episode, I thought was so good because what she's bas- what she's basically doing, is she is showing how destructive the me too movement can be when you're drawing these black and white lines right. when it comes to assault um and how how basically i mean i'm 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 getting into like essentially spoiling the show but essentially she makes this character zane a scapegoat for the trauma that she is, has endured in a completely separate situation than what she endured with him. And she is offloading that pain entirely to him. And what he did was horrible, but she's essentially giving him the full punishment of all of that pain that she is holding inside from the separate situation in a way that doesn't fully connect to the action that he committed.
1: No, I mean, you're 100% right. And I wasn't trying to paint it. I wasn't trying to say like it was black and white in the sense of what the show is trying to communicate. What I more so meant is talking back to even before that episode occurs where um, Arabella first experiences rape and she is trying to do the mental gymnastics in her own head of saying like, oh, this isn't that bad. Uh, I'm still alive. There's kids uh, without smartphones. Like she does that whole thing with herself. Like it's more in her own brain that she is trying to make this a black and white experience. It's not the way the show is portraying yeah. it at all. And and well, speaking toward that, I think for me the most
2: emotionally powerful moment of the whole show was pretty early on because it, uh, the show takes its time with having Arabella realize what happened. Like we we have multiple episodes where it's a dramatic irony thing where we can clearly see through her memory what's going on, but she won't let herself see. Mm-hmm. And when she's getting interviewed by the counselors, you know, and they're, they're slowly sort of inching their way into helping her realize. And uh, they're like, but y- you can see his eyes, right? What's he looking at? And that's when she finally breaks down because he's looking at her because she is the person, you know, yeah. when she the whole time she's been treating it as if she saw an assault happen to somebody else. Mm. Um, Unbelievable bit of writing because it rings true to how. Uh, trauma works and then just like uh otherworldly bit of acting by Michaela. Like, it's just like stupid how good she is. So good. Yeah. It, it's, it's really, really wild. And it makes sense that she's so good at this uh, emotionally fluent writing that even uh, works in like the flashback apps. Like, you know, like she gets high school, right? She gets what a great episode. Awesome oh. episode. Yeah. She so good. She, it's just, it's so effortlessly depicts these stupidly nuanced things, these things that are so complicated that I wouldn't even blame most creators for not wanting to touch them because it's so easy to fuck this shit up, mm-hmm. man. Like, I can't even imagine. Like, it it, it makes sense to not want to touch any of this with a 10-foot pole because of fear of misrepresenting something. Um, and and, sh- and And also feeling like you made
0: a show that simplifies exactly the issues because mm-hmm. that's that's what television and, and movies tend to yeah, do Yeah, that's what they're
2: supposed to do they're supposed to make things digestible for your dumb uncle or whatever yeah. and this show like the point of it is to make it clear how complicated it all is and how insanely weird it is and uh inscrutable and like opaque these situations can be that's the genius
0: i think it's and that so and that goes man. back that goes back to the archetype point where that's that was my biggest takeaway from this is like because it does that because it's trying to keep things complex and and you know not simple it soars when it challenges these established archetypes i mean again we don't want to give anything away but the final episode centers around the rapist and the way it approaches that character is so far removed from what you expect from that character and what other shows would do with that character. And it's I I, I have a hard time even describing it because it's not like subversive isn't even the right word. Well, like it is subversive. But the, but the point of it
2: is not to subvert. Right. It's, it's just to show. A fully fleshed out like potential exact version of this yeah it's it's really really wild it's hard to you're right it's hard to even talk about uh because essentially what she's doing is she's she's showing you like it's not
0: that simple Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. she what she's trying to say is you're not born a rapist Mm -hmm. and
2: and a lot of people that are rapists don't think they are
0: exactly but the the complexity comes in what leads you to be the type of person that drugs a woman's drink in a bar to rape her what are the series of events that lead you to be that type of person Mm -hmm. and it doesn't give you just one path Mm -hmm. to that Mm -hmm. and it also it doesn't answer the question in any definitive way but it, it 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 makes you think about these things and it makes you think like how complex it is yeah and to, to 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 even fathom that like the rapist is a a person
2: mm-hmm.
0: not some amorphous monster it's not a
2: guy in a ski mask right it's a dude and yeah and like earlier in the season it does that same trick that same like magic trick with uh like what leads to a young girl uh lying about being raped you know and The nuance within that when like she was in a she was uh taken advantage of like in that episode just not in the way that she said you know like it the the levels to this show are it's it's hard to it's deep (laughs) she she made the show and it's hard to even talk about the show without like stepping in a million minefields yeah like that's and yet the show is so well done like that it the difficulty level watchable too yeah i know that's the thing is it's not just it's it's not like a fucking school lesson like this is really really good tv that's funny and scary and fucked up and dramatic and like it makes you cry and laugh um i talk about difficulty a level a lot in television and this is way up there man like this is this could only come from a very special mind so glad we saw him
1: any any final thoughts, on her? I mean, this I said before, but I think every single person needs to watch this show. Like, I think that it is so deeply insightful for anybody, um, for all of the things that we have discussed, for all of the many layers of this show. And I mean, aside from even the story itself, like the craft in this thing is unbelievable. It's so well done. The last episode is like I keep thinking about it. I, I know. There's like it's one so well specific shot that I don't even want to describe that happens in it that I has been in my head like burned image in my brain forever. And there's moments like that throughout this entire show. Like it's just it's so well put together. The color palette of this show is unfucking believable. And it's willing to Experiment with that color palette episode to episode. And an episode where they go to Italy, it's a lot more bright and sunny, but in more of a natural set of tones than in the neon lights of midnight in London. It's just fucking gorgeous, man. It also, i oh man, that episode just rocks in general.
2: And and then when she goes back, rocks too, mm-hmm. dude. Because when she does it's it, tough. you're like it's a toughie. Well, because you're like at least i was watching that thinking like this is she's being crazy yeah Yeah. (laughs) like and a lot of the time the show will be scared to come down hard on its protagonist for doing something nuts and it all works out and it went real dark with it which is that's how it would go if you showed up in the home of a drug lord (laughs) that's what would happen
0: (laughs) sorry to arabella oh what a great show it's I May Destroy You. It's Hunter Andrews number one and my number two. Please watch it. Please, please check it out. Let's get to some honorable mentions before we wrap up. Um, I got a shout out Middle Ditch and Shorts on Netflix. Oh, I didn't consider that. a Yeah, just because it was a
2: special.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, TV, three, but yeah.
2: it's three improv yeah. uh, specials. First one was definitely the best. I laughed my
0: fucking really ass good. off.
2: Really, really good. Uh, more more improv stuff guys let's film let's film more improv i know improv is like cringe and corny but like it but can be it can I mean, be good these man. guys
0: these guys are yeah i think as good as it, it can gets. just
2: it can be really good just let it just film a little bit more of it uh search party on
0: HBO i was Max. surprised that didn't make your list because you're a so, champion of search party i'm so excited for the new season it starts next week rick and morty had a great fifth season
1: so so good. I, I haven't watched no, I it yet. It's yeah. phenomenal. I, I know, I know, I know. Uh, the boys. I was surprised that none of us had the boys on. Great show. So nice. the reason I didn't have it on is because I forgot to put it on. <laughs> okay, that's fair.
2: So really quick. <laughs> so are you willing to knock off? So number off, one.
1: Uh, <laughs> it's in my top five. Oh, okay. The boys. It was, it's cool. number. Yeah, it's number eleven on my show. list. It just missed the cut. Yeah, the boys is really a phenom. Like
2: the boys is is what i so want beef, out of beef house gets knocked out <laughs> oh no never mind <laughs> <laughs> no the the boys is what i want out of just like popcorn schlocky entertainment mm-hmm. it's great like man. it's just it's just good to watch man. man i love the show mando the mandalorian really glad to not see that on y'all's lists
1: fun fun shit yeah. uh thrilling exciting tv every week it's real it's really fucking well done it's in my it's, i think i have it at number 16 right on on my list, um, it's a great show. Industry on HBO, I thought was really, really. Good. I, I still got to get into very that.
0: watchable, very fun, great soundtrack, great performances. Rami on Hulu season two gave us another great season. Mahershala mm-hmm. up in there. Mm. Um, Normal people, I just watched right under the wire here. Didn't make my list. Uh, this is a softcore porno, just <laughs> sitting right there on Hulu, and nobody is talking about it. Um, just some horny teenage Irish, very sad horny people. Some of the best acting I've seen in in any show. Like you feel like you're watching real people, real normal people. I, I would say, but um, just it's 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 a it's a softcore porno. Come on, let's
2: let's be real yeah. here.
1: The Good Place. Yep.
2: Rest in peace. Yeah. R.I.P. That
1: was another one. The second half of the season was great. Incredible ending to this beautiful. show. Beautiful, beautiful uh, ending.
0: Guys, the Amber Ruffin show on Peacock. Very, very good. This is not a narrative program. It is a it's like weekly like a late, talk late style show. show. Yeah. yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's not daily. It's weekly. They put a lot of work into this thing. It
2: is very very good. I mean Amber Ruffin's awesome. she's been on you know she was a writer for Seth Myers for like mm-hmm. half a decade and she you know she she paid her debts and yeah, and she would go on his show a lot and every time she went on, you were like, okay, who's that? I, I can't recommend it enough. it's it's
0: very good. uh big mouth new season just came out I last seen month it yet, very man. good um, very fun, very funny mm. The crown uh only watched season four never saw any other episode before loved it you're out it of fun. you're
2: out of your mind for that <laughs> I, I had a great Just don't watch it man. <laughs> i thought it was fun
0: and then these are the ones that i was alluding to earlier that um had big potential and then the season didn't quite capitalize on it so these are the ones that i said like i wouldn't be you know, happy in my top ten. Yeah. Chicago PD. The third day. Fire. Uh on <laughs> the third day on HBO Max. Uh raised by Wolves. Did
1: you ever watch the like no. 24 hour episode no. where it was just ethan hawk like digging a hole and taking a nap jude law jude law is that's that
2: so that sounds like a frank ocean album rollout? out <laughs> yes. basically is, basically is. Yeah. <laughs>
1: he just took they, a nap they, on they like the crucified him i think <laughs> that's unbelievable that is incredible dude shout out to jude law what a king yeah big beard
0: uh raised by wolves uh huge potential kind of crashed and burned the last couple episodes same with fargo not quite crash and burn, but you know, didn't quite bank off of that potential. And guys, Westworld,
1: remember? I you will not sell me on Westworld. I think Westworld fucking sucks. I'm out. I'm hard out on Westworld.
0: Um, and I guess we we plan on doing a whole episode on this, but I just wanted to shout them out right now while I have the chance. Um, some shows that I watched during 2020 that are incredible or Avatar the Last Airbender and The West Wing I think mm-hmm. are amazing.
2: Also, this is why I uh, wanted to include shows in Yeah, our, we'll our we'll include 10 shows things, in
0: include our topics. because I got a
1: couple shows that I need to talk about. Kitchen Confidential. Also,
0: this is not te- <laughs> this is not technically a television show, but it will be The Last of Us Part 2 video games. so it'll be a TV show. Great story, great time. Sure.
1: Um one other thing I wanted to give a shout out to that just barely missed my cut and I think, honestly, it was because it came out so long ago as The Outsider on HBO. I didn't see this. I really, really love this show. The first half of it is definitely better than the second half. Uh, much like most Stephen King books, it has, like, the most awesome fucking premise and setup that you've ever seen in your life. And then the actual conclusion, the third act of the story, doesn't entirely come together. But I still think there's a lot to love in this show. I still would definitely recommend mm. it to people. Um,
2: the only other thing I want to shout out is Alex Trebek's final season of Jeopardy. Yeah, oh, um, and which he truly did go out like just as gracefully as he came in. Like he, fucking he, goat man. Yeah, he really he didn't falter nearly as much as you would think of a man with stage four fucking cancer. He yeah. did, he still went have into you, work and he still did fun. Have you
1: shows. watched any of the new episodes with Ken yet? No, no. I haven't seen him yet either. I have, uh, I have them recorded. Aaron Rodgers is bit, going but. to guest host. What are we thinking of that? <sighs> that sounds terrible. That sounds awful. Like Aaron Rod, he's not even like the most smart or funny person <laughs> athlete that they could have gotten. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: feel. really, really weird. He like, probably he just has nothing else going on. He was like, sure, I'll do it. Yeah, they're I'll, making a
1: playoff. Run yeah, only right like now. Trying, to <laughs> yeah, Super trying to make the Super Bowl. <laughs> He's so strange. He's man. like just already planning. He's like, well, we're gonna tank this game against. Uh, I could against see him Rams, like skipping the Super Bowl there.
2: to record a Jeopardy. Jesus Christ!
1: Any
0: uh, any last honorable mentions?
2: The Mentalist, um, Criminal shout Minds. Shout out! Shout
0: out to um, the Euphoria special episode, which we're getting another one next yes. week. Yes,
1: I man, I've, we're just talking about best episodes of television for the year that would have vied for a top two, three spot and, uh, Mark Marin's end times fun.
0: One of my favorite comedy specials of the year. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Great mm-hmm. shit. Mm-hmm. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Uh, please rate review, subscribe, please donate, please follow, please email. Thank you for all the donors. We will be back next week with our top 10 movies of 2020 plus a bonus up. And then another one after that stick around. Thank you for listening. We love you. Bye-bye.
1: Bye.